Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to our Monday night show. Ben, you might as well go to three up. Yeah, I forgot. Evan is going to be acting on the screen. Yep. Since Evan is going to be acting co-host tonight as Matt is on vacation and Ben is fumbling around. Yep. (laughs) There there you go, Evan. There he is. Now Evan is just one up all by himself. Let's go. How it should be on a day like today. I am totally kidding. Please don't do this. I'll show. I will uh, crawl into a hiding space, I guess. Well, anyways, we are we are on episode 100. I think it's at 43. Yeah, 143. This episode is presented by Cosmic Disc Golf. For all your cosmic needs, go check them out at CosmicDG.com. They help tournament directors get paid, and they also have a great online store. And if you're in the Massachusetts area, check out their merch. They have it over at Marshall Street Disc Golf as well. So, everybody, this is kind of a different type of episode matt is not here ben and evan are my co-hosts for the night we're going to bring out an awesome interview with parker welk in just a little bit uh sorry for the delay as life goes on and we had to break into matt's house you know figure out how to get everything running go through all matt's passwords and get it all anyways we are officially live um bringing you guys an awesome episode and i guess we can start off evan give us the quick rundown of emporia country club we have the dynamic discs open Give us what happened. Yeah, we sure did. And I'm, I'm going to preface this by saying I watched 0% of this, unfortunately, because it was incredibly exciting. Uh, but I just got back uh, last yesterday and like just got back to work today and all the stats and all the fun stuff. So I compiled what I could and then also seeing what the rest of our team got. So it was an exciting battle uh, in both divisions. We had Haley King win it in FPO. Uh, this is her second Dynamic Disc Open win of her career. Uh, she won in 2021 when it was a national tour. So this is the first time she's winning at the location on the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Uh, this is now her seventh elite or major win, uh, all since the start of 2020. And if we just look since the start of 2020, uh, her win rate is now 15%, which is the third best after Kristen Tatar and Paige Pierce. Uh, I, I, you probably assume that those two would be the top two. Uh, but yeah, surprising that she is above Katrina Allen, who does have one more win in that time span, but has played more events. Win rate's a little bit smaller. Uh, very cool. Haley King's back up to sixth in the Statmando official rankings, which is really interesting. She was all the way up at third uh, early last year year before kind of struggling a little bit into 2022 uh, besides the one major win but she is back on top she was in the playoff uh, just a few weeks ago in Jonesboro. So cool to see her get the victory here. We also saw Holland Hanley and Ella Hansen, two of the up and comers, as people always love to say uh, on the podium, Holland Hanley. Um, it's her fourth podium this season, and now she has 10 top 10s on the season from Majors Elite and Silver. Uh, that's 70, 77% top 10 rate. Uh, incredible what she's shown this year, even though she's still looking for that first win and, and might have thought it was this weekend. Uh, same with that as Ella Hansen, who picks up her second podium of the season, finishing in third place. Uh, we, of course, notably saw her almost get the win out in Waco earlier this season. She is back on the podium for the first time since that. Uh, Kristen Tatar finishes in fourth place, which might be the 
big a surprise in FBO. Uh, I kid, of course, somewhat. Uh, this is the third time she's missed podium at an elite event this year. And if you remember the stat going into this year, was she's never missed the podium at an elite event. She had it majors in the past, but not at specifically an elite. Uh, and this year, she's now missed it three times. Of course, they've all been top six. So it's uh, really a uh, stat about semantics, I guess. But uh, very interesting nonetheless. But unless you guys have any comments on FPO, we got to go into maybe <laughs> the biggest story of the year, I might say. No, well, I mean, just, yeah, just really quick about the FPO side. Playoffs, badass. We love playoffs. We'd love to see it. Eagles on 18 forcing a playoff. And then going into Emporia Country Club's hole 16, which is notably the best hole on the property. Being able to watch that start the playoff. We saw it last year at Worlds. We saw it this year at the Dynamic Discs Open. Um, such a do or die hole. You got to get it onto the island to have any sort of chance. Haley King practically parking it. Holland Hanley just coming up short of it. Has to try to throw it in from the drop zone. Fails at it. Haley King, I think she actually made the putt, but could have been able to just lay it up and drop it in for the easy three. So pretty awesome FPO action that we were able to see. Uh, Kristen Tatar was my pick for this weekend, and I thought she was going to have that chase card victory that she has been trying to get. I don't think she has a chase card victory yet. Um, so I was really hoping she would pull it off, but congrats to Haley nonetheless. Haley's an awesome player, great putter, great throw of the dish. She talked about this week. Had, um, Bradley Williams was helping her out with her form, and it was able to seem like it was clicking on all platforms with it this weekend. So pretty awesome to see. And uh, Ben, give us the uh, MPO. Ben's uh, going for the MPO. Oh, sorry, sorry Evan. So we MPO, yeah. we yeah. got um, yeah. we got we had um, you know Parker Welk take it down. Um, he was battling Calvin with last five holes. Unfortunately, on I think it was hole 15, you know, Calvin just double bogeyed. Parker got that eagle easy money cash. All right, Evan, you can go. <laughs> you were killing it, Ben, so I was letting you roll with it. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I got to go on a bunch of Parker Wilkes stats before we get into anything yeah, else he because amazing. he takes it down. Uh, this is his first, first career elite and major win, if you didn't know that. Um, I mean, you might not even have heard of his name before this week, uh, and here he is getting a big win. Uh, it's the second time we've seen a new winner for elite or major events in MPO this season. Uh, that is, of course, joining Emerson Keith just about a month ago at the OTB Open. Uh, uh, now Parker Welk's joining that elite, see what I did there, uh, club. Uh, he was uh, 72nd in the world by the Statmando official rankings going into the, into this event. I think UDISC had him a little over 100. He takes it down. Uh, incredible upset, I might say. Uh, it's actually He becomes the lowest-ranked player by the Statmando official rankings to win an elite or major event in the history of the rankings, which go back all the way to 2005. The next uh, lowest rank was Christian Dietrich out at the 2010 Beaver State, who was ranked 62nd at the time. Uh, another uh, a couple of the notable ones are Col Colt Montgomery, 54th at 2020 Waco, and uh, Connor O'Reilly at 2021 Delaware when he was ranked 52nd in the world going into those events. Uh, Parker has now moved up to 32nd uh, in the world by Statman official rankings. Uh, similar stat, he was the lowest ranked Disc Golf Pro Tour standings uh, place uh, by a MPO winner at a Disc Golf Pro Tour point event. I feel like I'm, a lot of words to say is, you know, lowest DGPT standings place to ever win. Uh, he was 71st going into this event, uh, just one better than his official rank. Uh, that beats Eagle McMahon, surprisingly enough, who was 63rd before the 2020 to European Open. Of course, he missed a lot of time dropping him in the standings. Uh, Evan Scott 
on the show last week without me. He was uh, the third best at this with 53rd ranked at Zoo Town just recently. And uh, interesting enough, the couple weeks before that, Ricky Wysocki, 48th at Cascade Challenge. Similar to Eagle McMahon, just missed a lot of time before getting that victory. Of course, those two are notable names. Bring it back to Parker Welk. Uh, he becomes the first player ever in MPO or FPO to win an elite or major with zero previous top 15 finishes with at least one start in his career before. Uh, there have only been five players to ever win an elite or major in their first ever start, so they have also had zero uh, top 15 uh, finishes before Parker Welk becomes the first to do it. His best finish in his career prior to this at an elite or major was 16th at Waco earlier this year. He gets the victory. Uh, I, it, there's so many, like it's the biggest underdog story I think we'll see all year. It was incredible to see. Do you guys have anything to add about Parker before moving down the leaderboard a little bit? No, just a uh, Cinderella story realistically at an elite series event, which is awesome to see. Um, the Eagle on hole 14 and then parking 15, parking 16, getting 17 with Calvin making little bitty mistakes here and there. Uh, it was just incredible to watch that final six holes really go down. Yeah, moving down the podium, we had Calvin Heimberg, of course, finished in second. He was battling towards the end. He is still number one in disc golf pro tour points, keeping up that incredible season with another podium. Uh, we had a stacked third place um, with three players. We had Evan Smith, who uh, finished third at 2022 Des Moines last year, his only previous elite or major podium finishes on the podium here, not to be confused with Evan Scott, who won Zootown uh, just a week ago, uh, two different players, both fantastic. This is uh, Evan Smith's first top 10 of the season. Uh, Alden Harris also gets a top five finish with this podium. That makes it back to back top five finishes on the season. He got a fifth at Portland open just a few weeks ago. Uh, and Matt Oram, uh, the favorite at uh, Matty O by Ben and everyone else. Uh, he, <laughs> he has the most elite or major podiums now with 11 for players with zero elite or major wins he is still looking for that win number one and i think everyone wants it wasn't the wasn't the week for him uh but still incredibly cool uh i'm gonna move way down the leaderboard to outside the cash zone uh we had ganimber finish 50th he misses cash for the first time since his first career disc golf pro tour event uh, which was 2020 jonesboro uh, and then we also had two players who finished on the podium last year, unfortunately finished outside the, well, Brody Smith finished 80th, excuse my words. I was going to say outside the top 80, 80 is inside the top 80, but Brody Smith and Logan Harpool finished 80th and 87th respectively. Uh, really interesting. Last year we had all the wind, um, the, absolute incredible rounds. We had two rounds at Jones, two rounds at Emporia country club this year, a lot less win. Only three rounds at Emporia Country Club. Jones Gold or Jones Supreme, excuse me, was not featured at all this weekend. Uh, so some changes to the event as a whole, that which I think we'll get into a little bit later after we talk with Parker. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I definitely think uh, one of the biggest things we were talking a little bit about it last week. Just players who we think would win the tournament. Everyone had their picks. I picked Anthony Perella and Chris and Tatar. Neither of them won, and so it's every single week is something crazy. But we did bring up Brody last week, and we brought up some other players of just who we thought have gotten very, very good at the sport, but we don't know when they're ready to kind of take down that first Elite Series event. And if you had asked all of us last week, was Parker Welk going to be in our conversation of winning an Elite Series event? I think every single one of us would have said, nope, absolutely not. Some of you guys might have even said, who even is Parker Welk? Now, fortunately, I actually got to meet him last year when we were there for the World Championships, but it just comes to show that when you have your weekend, you're having a weekend, and Parker was able to do that. 
keep it consistently smooth the whole time and take down the first elite series win. So when it comes to other players being able to do that, we're at a point where it's, you know, who knows it's anyone's weekend. We have the most consistent players being the Calvin Heinbergs of the world right now, but we got some sneaky good players on the rise right now. Yeah. And I don't think many people would have picked him to qualify for the tour championship uh, before this weekend, but now with this win, uh, as an elite winner on the season, he gets an automatic invite to the tour championship. Even if he's not in the, I believe top 32 that qualify, uh, he will, even if he's, let's say 40th place, he'll knock out someone who's in that top 32 to get an invite. Um, and with that, it also means he has a tour card spot for next year, but he also has a tour card spot for 2025, assuming he plays in the tour championship that he auto qualifies for so uh incredible win not just the eight thousand five hundred dollars uh not just the you know career moment but he's also you know guaranteed to be guaranteed to be on the tour for the next two years when it's it's getting awfully busy and crowded uh throughout the entire leaderboard mm-hmm. no definitely um kind of just quickly reading the chat i'm sorry about my microphone for some odd reason it has decided to be acting up the last few weeks if it is very loud for you guys, I do apologize. I am actually going to try to talk very quietly this episode. Maybe that'll help out. I'm also a decent amount of distance back from the microphone. So hopefully little things like this help out. Uh, but Ben, do we have... Yes, we have um, Parker, Parker in, in the, the room. green room. In the He's green here. room? Yeah. Awesome. You want to bring him in? Might as well bring him on in. Our DDO MPO winner, Parker Welk. Oh. And now we need K. We working. We working, Ben. Where are you? Oh boy. Interesting. Uh-oh. No, yeah, yeah. He's here. Yep. Just give me a sec. Yeah. Can you yep. talk one more time, Parker? We hear Parker. Yep. Evan, what link did you send them, brother? <laughs> I sent him the one that Matt sent. Matt was like, "No, use this one," and I sent him that one. Parker, he, give us give us a couple minutes. Ben's gonna set it yeah. up and get you in, and all of a sudden you're just gonna join the show. But Evan and I are gonna keep talking about stuff. We get Evan, we can quickly talk about the Kona Peach Day, the Euro Tour number two, Kona mm-hmm. Peach Day. You might as well bring it on in. Give us some stats about that while we're working on Parker. Yeah, I mean ugh, Kona Peach Day. It. It has been a major in the past. It also has been an eight tier as it was this year on the Euro Tour. Uh, incredible event, incredible venue. Ben, uh, throw up Evan on the stage. Yeah, there you go. Oh, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Ben's kidding. doing a lot of jobs right yes. now. He has the Macram name tag <laughs> on his uh, camera settings. Uh, he is intern Ben, but he is killing it, running the whole show right now. So everyone, everyone is in the chat who loves talking with Ben. Give him some kudos right now because even though it's not as perfect as when Matt's here, he is killing it and doing a great job. So all the love to Ben. Uh, but Rachel Turton takes it down uh, in FPO. This is her second Euro Tour win. Uh, she is now three for three in podiums in Euro Tour events, um, winning. Uh, oh, I didn't have it in front of me, but I think it was the Caladia Open Calcedia. I don't even know. I'm, I, I feel like I'm saying Quesadilla here, and that's totally wrong. And then also winning Scott or coming in second in Scottish Masters last year. This was our first Euro Tour event of the season, being the second of the year for Euro Tours and taking it down. Nicholas Antala uh, takes it down in MPO. Uh, this is his first ever Euro Tour win, but of course he has wins in other uh, Euro Series events, four on the Prodigy, Prodigy Disc Pro Tour, which is the, the Finnish National Tour, incredibly strong fields, uh, and then first in, or has one European Pro Tour win, uh, the new tour that started last year uh, in Europe. Uh, 
he does have a Hero Tour victory in his uh, past, but it was an MJ1 in 2017 at Tooney. I don't feel like that's uh, quite the same level, of course, as an MPO win. He has moved up to 18th in Disc Golf Pro Tour points, which is a good reminder that Euro Tour points, or not all of them, but a chunk of them, uh, count for Disc Golf Pro Tour points. They're on the same levels as Silver, uh, so you know we only. You only count three silvers and Eurotors combined. So uh, Antela has now moved up to 18th. Uh, and then I think the other notable name that we'll obviously have to talk about whenever we mention Europe for the next couple of weeks is Paul Macbeth. Uh, he finished in sixth. He was playing incredibly well. I believe, what was it, a 14 down in round two in the dark because of some uh, weather delays. Uh, in round three, he unfortunately shoots a 988 rated round to drop to six he was i think he was two behind Antela going to the final round was as close to one back through a couple holes uh before starting to struggle just a little bit he still averaged a 1033 rated event and finished in sixth place uh still getting a good amount of uh disc golf pro tour points finishing sixth at a uh silver level event although it is a euro tour it's kind of tricky whether you say this is a disc golf pro tour event or not it's a disc golf pro tour point event um but i don't know if it's officially run by the disc golf pro tour point we'll kind of find that as things go on Mm -hmm. but at least was a euro tour event yeah we see you now all right we can bring him in let's bring him on in introducing give me a second parker welcome the DDO <laughs> champion. Just wait. There, there he is. Evan sent to the wrong link. Blame Evan. There I, he is. I don't believe I did. I sent the one that Matt sent me. But I will forget that and let's talk to Parker. <laughs> let's talk to Parker, the disco himself. Parker, you just took down as a 10-10 rated player in an elite series event. The dynamic discs open. How are you feeling right now? Um, You know, it hit me a little bit later in the day. Uh, the same day, actually. And... It was crazy in that moment. I tried to FaceTime my brother right after he, unfortunately, he didn't answer. Um, but I went over to uh, hang out with AB and Adam Hammies and uh, Austin Turner. And then I went home and took a shower. And that's when it kind of hit me. It all hit me at once. It was, it was the first moment that uh, I was by myself. And I just started bawling in the shower, just, just crying my eyes out in the shower. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was an amazing feeling in that moment. Now, pretty awesome Father's Day present. They were saying online, you guys grew up in Hawaii, and your father kind of introduced you into the sport. Give us a little bit of backstory about how you got into it. Yeah, um, my father was the Hawaii State representative for the PDGA. Uh, I don't know how many years ago, but that's kind of how I was. That was like my in. My my dad would always kind of just go hang out with the guys, do some disc golf, and you know, I'd, I'd tag along and and hanging out the course, just huck my four hands 50 feet and then keep on moving back when I was like four years old, five years old or something. And uh, all these years later, I kind of just kept with it. It's always been like a hobby in the back of my brain that I never really took seriously. It was just there. And uh, yeah. Now, I think one of the most wild stats, and I looked this up right after you won the tournament, because I see you and Cupcake always competing out in California together and Cupcake, you know, get some wins here and there. And so I went on and I was like, you know, what? I want to see how many career wins Parker actually has. And you have four career wins, three of them in the MPO division, all being B tiers. And then you come out randomly and you shoot hot at an elite series event. and You get this win. Talk to us a little bit about going from the weekend warrior playing those tournaments out in California to the decision going out onto the disc golf pro tour. Yeah. Um, so obviously me and Cupcake, we would we would always go back and forth. He was probably, we were pushing each other so much uh, mm-hmm. while I was there. 
to get better and better each day. We would always just go play rounds. And there's a few other guys like that as well, um, including Jake Brown and Jake Fraley. They're both uh, two, two of the other guys that really pushed me. Um, and But those B tiers, man, those were fun. And C tiers as well. The, mm -hmm. we, we got to the point where we were like, okay, we are getting pretty good. I know I wasn't winning, but I was always like second or third place at those. Pretty much every tournament I played was either like second or third place for the C tiers, B tiers, whatever. And um, I realized like, I mean, I, I can do this. I'm, I'm high enough rated now. Uh, I think I was, I don't even know. I was over a thousand rated by, at the beginning of this year. And that was one of the requirements to, I don't even know if it was actually to get a, a silver card. And so <laughs> I, I applied to get a silver card and um, I didn't think I was going to get it. You know, I, why me? And uh, I got it. And I just about fell out of my chair when I heard those news. It was really big for me at the time, but now it's just like, oh, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but it was huge when I got that silver card because then I could sign up for all the silver series and four major, or not majors, four uh, elite series. But I ended up signing, was, I was able to sign up for everything, literally everything. So um, I'm doing it all this year. It was a big jump, but I, I had to take it. So with this win, you were in a tour card for 2024 Disc Golf Pro Tour season, the elite tour card or the highest level. Uh, you also were in a spot in the tour championship for later this year. And assuming that you play the tour championship, uh, that means you are in a tour card spot for 2025 as well. Uh, so if you just play these events, you're, you're locked in through 2025. And now knowing how much a silver tour card meant for this season, talk about what it is uh, feeling to know that you're locked into these events for the next couple of years. <laughs> I, I had no idea that was the case. And when Terry told me I had a tour card for next year, I, I had no idea. Um, I think there were some other benefits as well that some of my friends were telling me about that, that I got, but I was unaware of. But it all it all is just like coming together for me. Uh, this is what I wanted to do. And my my wife and I, we agreed that, uh, you know, if I, if I wasn't doing well this year, if, I, if I'm not high enough, top 80 or whatever they're going to do for tour card next year, then I'm probably not going to play next year. And now that I'm hearing that I'm solidified up until 2025, that's, that's major. That's huge. That's crazy to me. I, I want to uh, dive into a little bit about your start onto, let's say the elite level. Uh, I'm seeing here, you played SFO in 2019 in San Francisco. Uh, you, a little bit of a break for COVID. And then you started playing uh, 2021 then 2022, you played worlds in 2022, which, was in Emporia, Kansas. You finished 86th. Uh, and then you come into this year and you're playing tons and tons of events. You have, you know, a good chunk of top fifties. You have the 16th at Waco. Uh, talk about your start into the elite level and then how those finishes start and getting a little bit better this year. And then I want to know how you were feeling going into Emporia this week uh, when you finished 86th there at Worlds. Obviously, you know, Worlds is a bigger field, but just all those, all those thoughts. Yeah. So um, starting with the SFO, I, I was just playing like leagues and not really caring about disc golf. I don't even know how I got into that tournament, honestly, but I did. And uh, it was like a whole family trip to go up to San Francisco. And I, I was thinking my dad probably was thinking like, oh, my kid's so good. He's, he's been practicing. He's been, but I, I wasn't doing any of that. I just kind of showed up. I don't even know what place I got, but um, uh, that I was pretty right cool. And that was like my, oh, that's pretty good, actually. I, I thought yeah. it'd be a lot worse than that. Is that, is that caching? Uh, you got 217 dollars. 
Nice. Okay, so I cashed. Yeah, last um, cash you tied with uh, Luke Humphreys. Nice. Okay, very cool. And that was also my first experience with like a camera. They had a video called Driving on Nine, um, and they they filmed the best shots on the whole nine, which is that super long downhill one. Um, I don't know, 700 feet or 800 feet or whatever. And I put mine to probably just outside circle two. Missed my putt, of course. Um, but that was cool. And so moving on from that, what was the second one that I played? Probably Vegas. Uh, yeah, Maybe. in 2021, you played Vegas and Goat Hill, which was a silver. Okay, yeah. So Goat Hill is like pretty close to my house. And Vegas, I think I just kind of tagged along with uh, some someone else, I'm sure. Maybe Cupcake or, or something like that. But that was kind of the beginning of like, maybe starting to take it serious that's that was uh i think i was shooting pretty well back then as well i know i cashed i made the cut and uh i think i shot like 10 20 average or something like that which is which was pretty good um yeah i in 2021 you were 1006 but in 2022 at vegas you were 1024 which was a huge jump uh okay. one of your that was okay, actually okay, one of your best event ratings on uh tour uh up until this uh okay, so and Oh, unless you uh, let you keep on going, but I was going to say I, I want to hear about worlds in, in last year and then how you yeah how are you liking those courses and then heading into Emporia this year. Yeah, so um, last year I played enough events so that I would not be eligible to be Rookie of the Year this year, um, which is super unfortunate. I had no idea, uh, so I went to look at the rankings this year. And I'm not even on there um, because I played I guess two majors, Worlds and USDGC qualifying at goat hill from last year and uh so i'm pretty bummed about that but it's okay and um at worlds last year it was hilarious this uh, and i've told a few different people i i know cupcakes pretty good friend, friends with paul Macbeth, so i got to experience a practice round with paul Macbeth, and that's where what we did and uh, so he was like trying to show me the lines and stuff it being my first time there paul Macbeth, not cupcake and uh, he's doing like these touchy turnover shots and and I'm trying to copy his lines. And I think that's why I played so bad because I'm I'm not like a touchy turnover guy. If I if I'm able to throw just a bomb hyzer sidearm, I'm going to do it. I think that's way easier for me. And uh, that was the big change um, from Worlds to this year. Yeah. And then throughout the year, uh you said you were gonna you play it out, see how it goes. Uh, you have some solid finishes. Was was finishing top fifty? Uh, were you happy with that and being like, this is good for this year, and then maybe improve on it next year, or were you really gunning for more like top twenties? What's what was your mindset before this win? Yeah, so there's it's kind of weird. Golf is a weird game. Everyone has their week, um, and my expectations were were pretty high, um, but. In reality, I just wanted the tour card. So top 80 in standings, I knew it was going to be pretty difficult, but I, I started the year playing really well. Um, I got my confidence pretty high in those first couple of events before I even went on the tour. Um, and the Memorial as well, and then straight into Vegas. And I was I was playing super good, solid. I wasn't missing putts. I, I was throwing it good. Excuse me. Um, but kind of throughout... Right after Waco, I think I had a bit of an ego check where I played good and I thought I was the man. I really thought I was the man there. And going straight into Austin, I think it was next. Yeah, Austin. Mm -hmm. I 
I just, I just played bad. It was, I couldn't get anything rolling. I had a bunch of birdies. I also had just a ton of bogeys. And I think I still cash, but it was so difficult for me. I remember thinking and also getting mad at myself for, for just missing like short putts and, you know, messing up really easy upshots and, you know, landing out of bounds by like an inch or something. Um, and it just, it just wasn't good from like there on out. It didn't feel like to me. Um, <clears throat> I think I, I had one other good finish or slightly, oh, it was OTB. <laughs> which is hilarious that's such a such a cool um event i love going there because it's just it's it's it's. i love park golf and it felt like a golf course and park golf at the same time which is great <clears throat> i'm sorry i need to grab water no, <laughs> you're good take your time here. you're gonna be talking for a while so drink up <laughs> water that was a great, um, great shot <laughs> But at OTB, um, I shot eight over the first round, eight over. And my wife was there um, catting for me, watching. And my mom and dad were there because they're in Nevada, which is fairly close. And uh, it was just, I, I, I don't even know what happened. I shot eight over the first round. And uh, I think I brought that back with an 11 under the second round. And maybe a nine under the third round or something like that. And it put me all the way back to like 20 something place, which is unheard of. And, and Gannon texted me or no, he came up to me and said, I, you only had to shoot like a four under to go into a, like a playoff or first. If I did that in the first round instead of an eight over, which is absolutely insane. And, and that's where I kind of, you know, like you can win one of these. You can, you can actually win. I think we might have lost him. Oh, nope. Yeah, I he think he's there. in it now. He's still there. Parker? Yeah, can you still hear us, Parker? There we are. Are we good? Okay, still? awesome. <laughs> well, hey, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, now, talk to us just realistically about your your practice rounds coming into the tournament and then going toe-to-toe -to -toe with the number one player in the world right now. Talk to us about how that final round went and the mindset that you had going into it and finishing it. Um. Yeah, so... I think I should start with Portland Open. Um, I missed the cut by one or two, and I booked a flight that day to go home. I was over it. I wanted to go see my wife. I was kind of bummed out because I felt like, you know, my game was solid, but it just nothing was happening. And uh, so I went home. Sorry. And then <laughs> Drink up. did not touch a disc for a week. <laughs> I don't know why my throat's so dry. Sorry. We actually just had a, a zip line over, over a lake, and we were trying to um zip line drop put a disc and then make it in the basket so i think there's some lake water or something drying me out oh, it's all good um <clears throat> but um where was I? oh yeah so um i i was over disc golf i didn't touch a disc for a week and a half um and then i flew out to flew out to kansas on thursday got one practice round it was pretty bad because i didn't touch a disc and then um Thursday Friday shot 10 under I was uh I was happy with it I I made pretty much everything uh not circle two I think I was zero percent circle two round one mate wait I don't even know maybe it was round two it's tough for me to tell I'm sorry I don't have the stats <laughs> on me no you're good Evan does 
But I yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> let them roll with that. We'll... <laughs> but yeah, it was, and then round three, I think, is where no round two, hole nine, bang that putt, and the crowd went crazy. That's where I was feeling just outstanding, the best feeling for a bogey you could ever feel. Um, <clears throat> and then I turned around, and my homie Jake's there. He's like, "Nice bogey, dude." And I'm like, "Dude, come on." It was, thank you, um, but. It was cool. It was cool. The round two with my first camera experience. I was really nervous going out into it, but I, I made it happen and I was happy with that. And uh, going into round three, I couldn't sleep. There was the nerves and the excitement and just so many different feelings. Just it was just too much for me to handle, like not sleep at all. Um, <clears throat> maybe got like five hours, four hours before the, the final round and uh, I remember texting my dad because he was playing a tournament. And I said, Hey dude, you're going to win. And I'm going to win. I promise you I'm going to win dad. And, uh, <clears throat> um, I went out there and I started hot, man. That's, that's just about the best you can do is go like seven through eight there and whole nine is such a doozy. I mean, I've always had trouble with whole nine there and, but I got through it with a par, which was, or yeah, with a par, and I was happy with that. Moving on to the next hole, I was a little shook on that tee shot, but it somehow got all the way through, um, tap in birdie pretty much. But the real, the real thing happened on hole 13, where I threw it out of bounds, and I didn't see a tee shot, but I knew he. Oh, did I lose you guys again? No, you're, nope, you're good. Okay, cool. Um, when I threw it out of bounds and, and I thought he threw it pretty good, um, it was over. I turned to my mom and I said, I just lost. But I was still smiling. I was happy. I was stoked. I was playing well. And uh, <clears throat> I told her I lost and I just wanted to keep pushing. I forgot about it. I threw it again and then hit that putt. Um, moving on to the next hole. Calvin just hits that tree. I, I could not believe it. I really could not believe that he just – threw it into the tree and kicked out of bounds. Um, <clears throat> so I wanted to really, really just, and my, my game plan is going for the Eagle regardless, whether he's going to birdie it or Eagle it, I'm going for the Eagle. Even if I'm four ahead, I'm going for the Eagle probably. Um, it was my time to be on camera. So I really wanted to, to make a showing. So I was playing aggressive and, and I'm really happy how it turned out. Um, so in my head, I'm thinking, I'm right back in this. Oh my goodness. So through the, through the bomb of a drive, bomb of an upshot. And I'm sitting there thinking I could tie this up right now. I can, I can tie this up with like five to play, four to play, whatever it was. And, uh, I, I, I didn't really have any nerves on that, but I don't know what it was, but it was just free flowing little low left side, but it caught and it was just an unbelievable feeling. The crowd went crazy. Um, and I watched the live looking back on it and Philo's reaction was just amazing as well. Um, he was just like screaming into the mic. Um, but <clears throat> when I hit that, I, I won. There's, you can't stop me if after that putt, there's no way anyone on planet could have, could have beat me. Um, just, I got into a whole new mindset. It was, you, I, I don't know how to describe it. What once I was in it, you can't get me out of it. There's nothing you could do to stop me. 
And now, were you walking towards the next tee after you hit that putt? And then now you're like, all right, I got my three. I'm getting out of here. Did you watch Calvin doink that putt to uh, save his par? Yeah, I think. No, I I was watching. Um, I kind of went back to my mom and just kind of hung out with her and watched the other guys tap out. And when Calvin missed it, I was pretty surprised. But it, it was no tapping, though. It mm-hmm. really wasn't a tapping, especially with that pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was I was really surprised just a bad hole from him yeah exactly and then now instead of being tied with him that actually put you up by one going into 15 but then you got 16 which is always the two-stroke mm-hmm. swing hole talk to us a little bit about going into the dreaded 16 i mean 16 was easy i put my worst drive was like 20 feet all weekend mm-hmm. um round round one it was like 20 25 feet round two it was like six feet round three it was like 10 feet Mm-hmm. um or something like that and uh and my my reel before the round i i also parked it so it was just i was feeling that hole that was my hole yeah and you're doing this kind of stall any shot just talk to us a little bit about your decision making on doing a shot like that <laughs> rather than uh heiser flip mid-range or a spike heiser just give us why you chose that shot <laughs> oh man poor um, guy here <laughs> Oh, I'm just dying. Sorry. Um, You're doing great. Keep it up. If I'm being honest, if I'm being honest, I, uh, I threw, I threw the disc that I was going to throw for the tournament on that hole straight into that tree on the right. And it would drop in the water mm-hmm. and my practice day. Um, so I pulled out the, the a five and, and just threw that shot. And I was like, okay, that, I guess that'll be the disc then. Um, not too much thought going into it. It's just what worked on that practice day. And if the wind stayed down, I was going to keep with it. If the wind kind of picked up, I was going to throw just a just a flat, overstable backhand. Um, but luckily, the wind stayed down. Mm-hmm. Evan, do you have anything? Because I'll keep rolling with it. I, I, yeah, keep on rolling through this round because I didn't get to I didn't get to watch it, so I okay. like don't know what to ask. Why did you get to this. watch it? I, I was traveling home, man. I literally like today's my first day back. Evan, Evan just got married, so we'll give him the excuse on this one. But all right, That's so you guys push on sixteen. Congratulations, you got married. You guys oh, push okay, on sixteen, okay. and now going into seventeen, you throw a shot, and the commentators made it seem a lot worse than I think it actually was. We all thought, okay, he's parring it from there, and now Calvin has a chance to actually go and birdie this hole. Calvin throws it low, kind of throws a little bit of a thrower, but ends in a spot where birdie is very, very unrealistic. And then we get up to your drive, and it's in a much better position than I think anyone gave you credit for. Talk to us about 17. Yeah, so I was up first, and I, I really didn't play that hole great off the tee, and I still didn't on that final round. I always threw a little high. Um, but the drive was good. If it missed that tree that it hit, it was just going to be perfect probably. Um but it hit the tree, dropped, and it put me in a good spot where, you know, I wasn't pushed back behind the trees. I could just, you know, be in front of the trees and just do a regular Heiser instead of worrying about, like, a low ceiling. Uh, so I watched Calvin throw his shot first, and it did not get in a birdie position. So I'm thinking, maybe I'll just par. But I'll, I want to give it a chance. So I threw, like, the, a super Heiser, and if it skipped, I'll be parked. If it doesn't skip, I'm going to have a putt. That was my thought process there, and... It ended up skipping and it, it put me under the basket and and I can't complain about it. And also the camera angle that Jomas has of Calvin throwing the the flick to try and throw it in. I was standing, I think, pretty pretty close behind him. It looked like it was in. He mm-hmm. threw that thing in and then it just 
kind of fluffed out right. I was I was pretty scared in that moment, but it, he missed and we, we moved on. Yep, and then now finishing up, going into 18, you got the two-stroke, you know, separation between you and Calvin. Realistically, it's a hole that it looks like if you want to play for par, it looks like you can play for par as long as you get that first shot inbounds. But talk to us a little bit. What's your normal game plan on that hole? And then what was it, that final hole? Yeah, so going into 18, I was like, dude, you better land safe. If you don't land safe, you lose the tournament. Um, so I, I, I just threw a high flex staller, pretty comfortable throwing that shot, and it landed perfect in the middle of the fairway. And Calvin crushed his up there, and I knew he, could, he had a chance to throw it in. So I'm, I'm lining up my second shot. I'm lining up the forehand. Um, and I hear my dad in my ear just screaming at me, keep it, keep it in bounds. Just keep it in the fairway. So I, uh, I swapped to my, my A3 and just threw it right down the middle, low ceiling, and didn't care where it landed. I'm just laying up the next shot anyways, Scott, mm-hmm. with a two-stroke lead. Um, so I put mine safe, <clears throat> and I go stand next to my mom and, and patiently wait for Calvin to throw his. And he missed and then and then right when he missed it just it's such a weird feeling everything just just flushes out of your body and and you you don't even feel real you really don't even feel real um i told my mom i just won and walking up the fairway hearing hearing the fans like just cheer and it's it's such a such a crazy experience it's it's yeah. I I was lost for words then, and I'm lost for words now. But yeah. Well, yeah. We we tried to give you 48 hours to describe that feeling, but if you're still at a loss for words for it, <laughs> we'll give it to you. Um, talk to us a little bit now about what does the rest of the season entail? How are you getting to tournaments? Are you driving? Are you flying? Are you meeting up with people? What is your tour life like? My tour life is. It's pretty neat. Um, I'm not sure if you guys know Jake Brown, but him and I decided to tour together. He's also from my area. He, uh, We have a truck that we're pulling a trailer behind, and we're kind of just going stop to stop, and we're hanging out with, like, the AB and Adam Hammy's crew, and, mm-hmm. and whenever they get, like, an Airbnb with a lot of space, we'll go hang out with them and park our truck there. But for the most part, you know, we're just hanging out and doing our best. No, definitely. Uh, so you're sponsored by Prodigy. For the people who don't know, you are sponsored by Prodigy. What does this mean? Have you been able to talk to them much since this one happened? What does this mean for touring efforts from them to you? Is there a disc coming out with your name on it? You know, what's going on with that? Any inside scoop? I am not entirely sure. Um, there has been some text between us, but I, I'm not sure if, if anything I just don't know. Um, yeah, but I, I I can't say anything. I I have no idea. <laughs> That's all right. Well, we're all hoping. I'm sure people want to go out there now that they you know have a great idea of who you are. I'm sure there's a lot of people who want to support you. So hopefully something comes about to where fans from the Nick and Matt show listening to this interview can help support you. Uh, give us a little bit. You know, now that you've won a big Elite Series event, I don't know if that was really. I know you say you can do it. It was something that you always believed you can do. But now that you've actually won it. Does this change any other goals going throughout the rest of the season? Do you feel like, okay, I want to pick up another win. I want to pick up a Silver Series win, you know, top five at a major. What are the goals for the rest of the season now? I want to be on camera. It's, okay. it's a whole different energy. Um, it, 
it, it's so different. Everything is so different when the camera is on you. And I, I feel like that's where I shine. Um, it's, it's cool. It's like, it, you feel so giddy. You feel just motivated to, to want to really do it. And, uh, to be in that position, it's, it's really, really cool. So I think just being on camera will, will boost me a little bit. So if I ever have another opportunity, that would be really, really cool. Um, but yeah, another one would be nice. It's <laughs> one win is a lot for a guy coming from me. So I'm, I'm not gonna get be greedy. Uh, it, kind of switching it up a little bit. Your <clears throat> PDGA location right now says Huntington Beach, California. People are making the Paul Macbeth comparisons, uh, but you are from Hawaii. Uh, talk us through the. Did you learn disc golf in Hawaii? Is that where you consider you're from? Is Huntington Beach just where you're located now? Uh, what's kind of your location history with that? Yeah, so I mean, born and raised in Hawaii, spent, lived there my whole life up until I was 19, and then I moved out to uh, to California, kind of near Huntington Beach. But I I moved to Huntington Beach with my wife um, this two years ago. So I I consider Huntington Beach my home. I've played Huntington Beach for the past I don't know six years. Um, that's been my home course for the past six years. So my location is Huntington Beach, but um, I am from Hawaii. Either one works for me. Very cool. Uh, and I'm looking at the rest of your schedule for this year. It seems like you're playing most of the tour, uh, tour stops, but notably not going over to Europe. Are you thinking about changing that decision now, uh, now that you have a win, or are you still going to stay in the States uh, and skip that part of the tour? Um, I'm going to skip that part of the tour. I'm going to go home and hang out with my wife. <laughs> um, I never I never really thought I would be in this position uh I never did. Nobody did. But to to be invited to the European Open, it, it means a lot. It's really cool. Um, but I, I won't be going to Europe. All right. Maybe maybe 2024. I'm not trying to get too pushy. I don't have to travel, so I, I can't ask for too much. But <laughs> it is exciting seeing those events over there. So maybe one day. Parker, is there anything else that we missed right now? I know we've kind of thrown 50 questions at you all at once, but is there anything that we've missed about your disc golf life? Any any ways for some people to be able to support you now? Um, no, there's there's no ways to support me, really. Uh, you can just follow me on Instagram at disco. And uh, I think, and now, no, no Venmo. Um, <laughs> I am going to be starting to do some more vlogs. I think. I think that'll be really fun. We 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 just got done filming a whole whole bunch today, so it should be pretty fun doing that. Go go follow me on YouTube as well at Disco. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I don't know what what Prodigy is up to under behind the scenes. So we'll maybe something's coming. I don't know. All right. Well, that's all we can hope for, right? Evan, you got anything else? No, this has been great. Parker, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for taking time out of your Tuesday. I'm assuming you're already in Des Moines right now practicing for the Des Moines Challenge. Yes, I am. Thank you Alrighty. for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. Best of luck out there for you, and we'll catch you around. Thank you. Bye, guys. Peace out, bud. I, I didn't even think about Des Moines. We're like it, <laughs> Time is going by so quickly right now, well, and, I mean, especially for uh, for Parker here. But he's got to get a feature card, either feature one or feature two. Uh, we're going to see him on, on TV starting on Friday. There's, there's no doubt in my mind.
You would think. You got to think next year's DDO. We got to see him on there, you know, reigning champion, kind of try to defend the title out there. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty awesome. 10-10 rated. I know we, you know, talk about the ratings every week, and but 10-10 rated winning this Elite Series event with number of people that are in the top 10 of the world at this event as well. It's just, it's awesome. It's really, really cool to see just the kind of disparity that we have in the, uh, the uh, scene right now. Yeah. And I, I'd even mention the the cool rating stats with this too. Yeah. He's 10, 10 rated. That's the lowest rated elite or major winner uh, in MPO since 2005 at the Kansas city wide open, which was a national tour event, uh, which actually I, no, it didn't happen. Why did I think that happened this weekend? Uh, excuse me there. It's a silver later this year. Yeah. Uh, but, but Chris Sprague won it at 10.03. Uh, there's only been two other, um, I believe, uh, if this query is all time, I mean, with the history of uh, ratings, that is, two other lower ones that I'm seeing here. Mm-hmm. Um, two other in addition to Chris Sprague. Um, but the notable one we have to mention was Cameron Todd, who was higher rated. He was 1013, won 2016 GBO. It's the same event, just different name. Um, and that was always known as like the, uh, what am I trying to say here? Like the surprise win. He won, he won a world's correct or major yep. early yep. in his career in the early two thousands, but all the way in 2016 past this prime to get a win at that, uh, I'm going to say that low of a player rating was kind of monumental. And then here we are with, uh, Parker Wilk also doing get even lower rated in this day and age where the field's incredibly deep and there's now that he wins i'm changing it up a little bit now that he wins like any event you go into there's like 120 people who you could actually be like yeah they could win because he wins now like if parker well can do it there's so many players who can do it and i mean not to uh underestimate how good he's been you know he (laughs) that's not to say that anyone could have done it uh he obviously earned it but it's incredible to say and i'm not even going to make fun of ben's picks going forward if he picks some person who's like 30 points i'm like hey always do better it could work you know what a cat merch has won a few this year there's been winners ben i won't hate going forward yeah thank you so kind of kind of bringing up the next topic just a little bit and this is this is a quick little one but we had a hot take come out in the joe mess practice round and the only Uh reason we're kind of really bringing it up is maple hill is very very dear to our hearts everyone from the nick and macho we all grew up around that area so maple hill is our course uh aaron gossage who got second at worlds last year and apparently during the joe mess practice round had said that maple hill and quote me if i'm wrong or you know fact check me if i'm wrong but someone had said that he thought maple hill is the worst course on tour and it's just got me curiously thinking i'm like it's actually got a pretty decent mix of open holes and wooded holes um it's just an incredible venue in and of itself and i know we are a little bit biased being from maple hill and loving it but i'll say this like maple hill isn't my favorite course that i've ever played i've played tons of courses like fox run that's my favorite course that i've ever played in the world and i finally just got to check off iron hill on my list i've played nantucket i've played wr jackson i've played vegas you know I've, i've played all these courses that are kind of notable every single year Maple Hill is definitely not the worst course on tour. There are plenty of courses that are way worse on tour. That's, it's and just straight up wrong. Like it's not. Yeah, you you can you can think it's not. <laughs> it, it cannot be your favorite, but as a disc golf private venue, it, it is one of the best courses in the world, it's without the a doubt. Especially the Golds layout. It's such a great layout to play. If anyone ever gets a chance, it's a destination spot. People go to Maple Hill to play goals they play diamonds now they got the old glory layout reds whites blues whatever but it it's just wild to say 
Maple Hill is the worst course on tour. And there's not really much more we can say to that unless we had Aaron coming on the podcast and explaining his reasoning for it. And everyone is entitled to their own. I don't know if he's allowed on at this point. Yeah, exactly. He might might have just, he might have just shamed himself off of here. Yeah. You you never know, but, and everyone's entitled to their opinion and everyone's entitled to a wrong opinion. Don't get me wrong, (laughs) but uh, yeah, just, just wild. Our group chat blew up from that. And yeah. So anyways, his, I believe his reasoning was uh, there's not a lot of decision-making. It's a lot of, I mean, it's a lot of par threes. It's still a lot of, par fours mm-hmm. no par fives though for some reason i don't know yeah. if i'm just yeah, that well, goes back yeah, to steve Dodge yeah go back to steve Dodge. show yeah. uh but yeah i a lot of like good par threes that people love i mean think of 14 and eight over the water 14 mm-hmm. being the big downhill one eight being um, a little bit more ace runny although they moved it back for mpo uh those are just pick your shot throw over the water you know, land it close to the basket. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if an ape could throw a disc, they're just going to throw it and they're not going to choose which way they go. And, and I think Aaron was really trying to get out. He wanted more pars, poor, uh, oh my goodness, pars four and five, uh, combining par and four does not work in my brain. Um, and he wanted to see more decision-making with it. Uh, and he just didn't feel that Maple had that. I still think there's some decision-making, maybe not as much as other courses. He did say, I, th- I think he said Northwood Black was one of his favorites, which is a wooded course. So it's not that Aaron Gossage, you know, big hyzer thrower with both backhand and forehand was just wanting open courses. Uh, he, he does like the wooded ones. Like Northwood Black definitely has the decision-makings. So I, I understand his kind of reasoning going into it, but calling <laughs> Maple Hill the worst course on tour is flat out wrong. Uh, a huge exaggeration. Uh, and I'm with you, Nick, if you don't call it your top three, top five, if you don't even call it in the top half, I honestly won't get offended, but if you're calling it the worst course on tour, that's, <laughs> I, I yeah. don't say I'm offended by it. I just like, Come on, like you're kidding. Like Evan's Evan's shit. offended. Evan oh, is offended by it, which which is fine. But someone in the chat had asked, you know, what is the worst course then? Um I mean, this is no knock to anyone who's ever put the time into it, but like for me last year, I went out and played Worlds. I played at DDO. I actually very much enjoyed playing the Jones Supreme layout. I actually thought there was a little bit more variety to it, um, a little bit better shop shaping. Uh the Emporia Country Club, though, was decently boring to me. Um, definitely wasn't, wasn't great, but I also thought like the infinite course out at Vegas wasn't very fun, but I loved the end of a factory store out at Vegas. Uh, that's actually probably one of my favorite golf courses that I've ever played. Um, I, I mean the most golf courses, the open at Austin this year didn't look like the most spectacular place to play, but I'm sure there are tour players who absolutely loved playing it and I've never played it. So I can't really judge that one too hard, but Belton last year. Um, I was fortunate enough to actually go out and play Belton last year after Waco. And there, to me, there's one memorable hole in that course. And I think it's 10 or 11. It's where, you know, you throw this bomb forehand through all the, yeah, exactly. I I don't remember hundred percent, but you throw through all the trees and it's a really, really cool kind of hallway. Pretty much it's that hallway that you would see on many golf courses. Um, It's just the row of trees. And you throw through it and you end at, you know, the right or the left of it. But anyway, so a Belton to me, and like I said, no knock to anyone who designed the course or who maintains it, but Belton is far, 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 far worse compared to a course like Maple Hill. And I get it. Maple Hill isn't, it's one of the softer courses that we have on the tour. It's a par 61, maybe it's been a par 59 in the past. It's got no par fives. But it's got really demanding par threes. It's got hole six, which is one of the most demanding holes on the tour all year. 
Hole 7, which I think is just a phenomenal hole to watch people play. Hole 8, great. 9 is always, you know, not my favorite hole. I've never loved 10 in the position that it's in right now going up to the castle, but it is iconic in that sense. The big arm players are able to get the 2 on it. Um, I think I've thrown it in for two during the tournament once before. There's so many iconic holes, I feel like, at Maple Hill, though. It's one of the best starting holes in the world. It's got one of the greatest ending holes in the world. That That's cre- all you need right there. Yeah, it Starting creates. Yeah, exactly. Starting and ending, uh, it creates just an incredible atmosphere. And then, and I know this has nothing to do with the course in and of itself, but the atmosphere every single year at Maple Hill. When I first got into the sport back in 2013, and watching everyone just hang out at 18 and watching Paul McBeth shoot the 45 and then watching Ricky win it, watching Kale win it. I mean, so many incredible things have happened at that venue that, yeah, like Evan said, you can call it the worst course in the world, but you are flat out wrong or the worst course on tour, I should say. But yeah, not in the world. I think I yeah. think there's a few courses just around here and there. Yeah. I mean, Ben just posted that picture to, on Instagram saying this show was going to be pushed back a day with a <laughs> basket on the ground. I don't even know where that was. That so, he found that, but story behind that, that was in Western Mass, Curvin Park, I believe it is. It was just a, it was a nine hole, a little nine hole course, just like, you know, a little dinky, but um, I met these guys there, um, and they they were renovating. Um, as I was there, they're renovating the entire nine holes, so they were getting brand new baskets that day and putting Ooh. in new baskets that day. So it was pretty cool that I kind of got to see the last of that basket. And I guess they said it was going to be their new mascot, so it's going to be on hole and seat. But it's like it's like a park. Nice. It's like it's like a thing. Western Mass has no course unfortunately so like are you kidding western me? mass has Whoa. new england disc golf center new england disc golf center okay upper and western which mass. is literally top upper three west, courses upper western yeah. mass where you have oak ridge and westy acres no west yeah. like west west like west oh, west like, like the berkshire like where i yeah berkshire where i was west yeah. he was like an hour away um yeah, I, I, I agree that's I agree. what i meant there was there was yeah. like th- th- that curvin park was like the s- second highest rated course and it was a nine hole hundred foot you know each hole well good yeah. it, it works on your putting practice ben mike schwartz is, we tell you curvin is the worst so <laughs> there you go i also don't yeah. like that name it's like almost my name but worst curvin <laughs> worst worst whatever yeah we got it's curvin. a worst version Anyways, of currents uh, enough about I, that i want to bring it back to the core stock because uh yeah. i i've for where oh my goodness i can't say things now for the worst courses on tour i'm gonna say i'm not gonna even pick a specific one but just in general say it's always the new courses in the sense that they're new um designs uh, i'm gonna go back to two years ago portland open at glendevere i honestly thought that course was not good and it was thrown together last minute no shot at dustin keegan him and jeff spring have worked incredibly hard and now look at that course it's one of the best it might be the best ball golf course all year it's one of the best courses regardless of ball golf or not of the year they've had years to tune it so when you see a new course on tour and that's going to austin i thought that was a little bit poor but you give it another year it's going to get better you give it two years if it has if it's consistently on tour they're gonna make it better and better and better i honestly would put emporia country club in that it's still not my favorite course you know it's tough being in emporia tough being on a golf course but they have made changes to it and made it better and better and if you compare it to like 2016 worlds uh like it was just playing around a golf course um and it's it's so much better and when they you just are able to put effort year to year see the feedback of players playing it it gets better and better so when you see a new course pop up uh it, it just 
there's a lot of just hurdles to jump through with it. Um, and th- so I, I think I'm going to go Austin, not a knock on it. Cause I think Austin should stay on tour just because it's in Austin, the city alone. Uh, and I think there's potential in that property. Um, but I, the courses that have been around on tour for years, like, I mean, there was yeah. Memorial on, that had its time come to an end. So it's not, uh, all courses in that sense, but I mean, Maple Hill, I mean, even Eureka, um, which it might be getting pushed past the time. It's like so iconic now and still plays really well for the pros that I don't want to see it. I'm not going to call that the worst course on tour. Definitely not. Uh, I think, I think there's a lot of good courses on tour now where it's kind of hard to choose, which is the worst, Yeah, but it's not Maple Hill. No, definitely not. And I, I actually, you know, really enjoyed playing Eureka the times that I've gone out and played it and I'm not a power thrower whatsoever, but I actually do enjoy going out and playing And Northwoods black was one of my favorite courses that I've ever played. Now Um, that course was incredibly fun and the work that they've put in there is just amazing. But I guess going into the next topic with this, while we're still kind of talking about Emporia country club and shout out to drew Gibson on this one, shout out to Daniel who actually just brought it back up. But um, drew tweeted, that the atmosphere this year at DDO just didn't really feel the same with the amateur side of it not being at the event as well. Um, DDO has been known and previously as the GBO to have this massive block party that closed down a whole street. Uh, Emporia, just in general, Emporia, Kansas loves whenever this event comes into town. Um, But you could definitely notice the amount of people that weren't at the event, uh, more so when people actually start talking about it. But it definitely seemed like where it's a middle-of-nowhere tournament, not having the amateur side of it uh, definitely kind of, you know, the pros noticed it. And so they noticed that there weren't as many people watching them play, not as many people attending the event, but this kind of brings up the situation and the conversation of why weren't more people there? Why weren't more people there just in general? Is it high ticket prices? I know the amateur event wasn't going on. So for next year, does the amateur event come back? What are the main reasons though? Why this was a lowly intent attended tournament And when I was there last year for Worlds, obviously a much bigger tournament, much bigger scale, a lot more people going out to it. Um, It's actually fun to watch in person. I love watching disc golf. I don't love watching the wide open golf courses, especially a lot of courses where you're kind of designing it to be on a windy day. You know, we saw completely different scores last year compared to this year. I mean, what was it? Six down or 13 down or something like that. One last year, one 30, 31 down, one at this year. Um, It's a course that really you need wind for it to be a little bit more interesting to watch. But then at the same time, when it's too windy, you're kind of just watching people throw wherever. And it's kind of crazy. But let's just kind of talk about a little bit right now of why, what makes it so the attendance was poor. I'm going to be honest. I don't think it's the fact that the course is boring because of no wind. Sure, Ben. uh, I, I don't agree with the amp side take either. I I feel like it makes really good sense to not have uh, an amp side, but also that includes all the, all the other um, pro age protected divisions, pretty much anything but MPO on the elite level. I think it makes sense to have it be another weekend. And that's what they did this year. They brought back the glass blown open name. And I think it brought it back to April when the event used to be and brought it as there's mm-hmm. this big event. And then when the elite uh, stop comes around for just MPO and FPO at that elite level uh, now in June, uh, it, it's it's just its own event. And I think that makes more and more sense because you have volunteers, everything's devoted. Oh, you have all the volunteers devoted to the elite event. You don't have to have volunteers out at all the other courses at the same time. You don't have to have all these spectators playing during the rounds. Um, 
I understand what Drew's saying is you get everyone there and you you have an early morning 8 a.m. tea time. You know, if you're bad like me and you or you're just in a specific division, you get an 8 a.m. tea time and then you're at the uh, the pro course from 11 a.m. to the rest of the day watching. Sure, there are those cases, but I think the biggest reason uh, it. I, I'm going to have three reasons. I think the biggest one is ticket prices. I, I believe it was $40 for final day general admission. Okay. General admission should never be that high for a single day ever. I don't care what the event is. That is too high. Uh, I, I guess the only scenario is if you only can have like 100 people there, if you have some celebrity event at Ben Askren's house or something, I don't know. That's the only reason you would have high ticket prices. General admission needs to be dirt cheap. Uh, I don't care if it's final day. That needs to be get everyone in the door, even if it's only watching in like a certain hub, get people there for the cool holes. If you're trying to get a VIP pass to get extra swag, to get extra access, to follow cards, I I honestly don't care what the price point is. It could be a thousand dollars like Worlds is for that super high uh, pass. That's okay, but general admission needs to be dirt cheap. You need to be as cheap as possible. I think it was a hundred bucks for the whole week. That, that's too high for people traveling in, which Emporia is like you've got to travel in. There's what, like 20,000 people there. Uh, and everything else is a two hour drive. Like you're traveling in, you want to be there for the whole week. I think it needs to be cheap. The second one was also, it's just father's day. It ends up being a bad weekend. It's hard to have final round be on a, uh, kind of a holiday. I mean, not like officially a holiday, but hanging out with family, you're focused on those things. You're just going to watch it on TV or watch Jumbas the next day. And I do think the third thing is, uh, being in Emporia, being in a, a small town in Kansas, hours from Kansas city, hours from, you know, a few other bigger cities with Kansas city also having a silver event later this year, I believe it's the last silver event before Europe or maybe the first back. I forget exactly when it is. That gives people in Kansas City, the biggest biggest city, biggest metro around mm-hmm. Emporia, access to all the pros for likely a cheaper price and closer to home at a new course. The people from Kansas City probably have been traveling to Emporia for years to watch the pros play, and it's exciting for them. But with the tickets probably being twice the price, it being, I don't, is it a four hour drive? I don't actually know how long it is from Kansas City to Emporia. It's a long, it's a good enough drive for a day trip. Um, and then you just get to watch them at a new course that you probably play often. If you're from Kansas city and being in that Metro area, you're just going to wait until they come around then. Uh, so uh, that might be, even be the biggest factor. One hour, 30 minutes. Oh, wow. It's way closer than I thought. Excuse me. Uh, I did not fact check. No, but hour 30 is still like a good chunk for a day trip, you know, to drive all the way to Emporia and back. It's not far if you're staying for the week at all. Uh, So, but go ahead. Yeah. So I think the biggest reason it's boring. Um, you're just throwing in a field there. It's basically pros doing field work for 18 holes. See who gets the closest. Obviously that that's a little, mean. I don't actually mean that, but it yeah, is you're Aaron gossaging this, this take right it now. Is, it is, it is, it is pretty boring to watch. Like I tried watching the Joma's coverage and it's just like even hole one that takes so long hole. They're just doing hyzers. And it felt like when I was watching the live coverage, it just felt like it was just, way too long and and that's all it is it's nothing special it's artificial be and like 16 is a really cool hole like iconic hole i think it's really nice but there's just no no holes like stand out to me i can only think of like hole one and 16 as like holes that like i can remember if you ask me like six months from now i just think it's just a just a little boring and i think the pro tour is eventually going to go away from emporia kansas um believe it or not so that's my take. Bye. What year? What year is the first year without Emporia, Kansas? Without Emporia, 26. 
26? Yeah, I th- I've, I think that's a, I think that's a good call. It, yeah. it, it just too out, it's also too out of way. Like they went from Montana well, to Emporia. Like, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to bring up next. And I know Simon has talked about it in the past as well. Is a lot of these people, when you're flying into the event, you're an hour and 45 minutes away. Then you get to, after you finish the event, driving an hour and 45 minutes, people trying to come in and spectate the event. It's not convenient at all to go into Emporia. Now, you could also say the same thing about Vermont. I know it's not super convenient. You can't just fly right into Jeffersonville. I think you get to fly into Burlington, which. Is probably an hour and a half as well. Like Vermont is also not in the best area. Now, to me, it's two of the most incredible courses that we do get to play on the tour and do get to watch on the tour. But it's definitely not in a great area. Now, Massachusetts, we're an hour away from the airport out in Boston. You can fly into Worcester yeah, if you're lucky. Too, yeah. So you can kind of get that. But yeah, I think tournaments need to start kind of getting a little bit closer into bigger areas if they want to keep the attendance up. But one of the questions that I was going to bring up was if we're talking about this was 40 days or excuse me, $40 per day, you know, it's $120 for the past. Maybe it was $100. Maybe they had a discount if you bought them all at once. But kind of, and this is mainly for the chat or people just driving along, but how much would you pay? I know Maple Hill, I'm pretty sure, charges more than that. They do. Right? Do, so do you guys I, I know really off the top understand. of your head? I, I they do charge more. I I didn't really for general admission. I'm pretty sure they do. I, yeah. I'd have to double check, but that, that's why I, thought I, it was like I didn't think forty bucks was that that big because I like I'm at Maple Hill. Okay, so maybe not maybe I, not more than forty, but I didn't. You know what what is a good general admission price then? You know, Evan, when you say a good general admission price, I'm thinking ten dollars. Ten dollars gets you in. You can walk around. You hang out. You don't have any VIP passes, so let's talk about Maple Hill for a second. Yeah, you can't watch hole three. You can't watch hole four, five, six. Maybe seven. You can kind of go from hole one to hole two to hole eight. You know, go on from there. Hole eleven, hole twelve, thirteen, on and on and on. But what is a good general admission price? Now, I'm one of those people where when I want to go to an event, like if I'm going to the Celtics game, if I have the chance to go down in the low seating or get a decent seat for 100 to 200 bucks, I'm probably going to do that. But I'm just as happy if I spend 30 dollars on, you know, the seats all the way up in the rafters because I'm actually at the game. So will I do that? I mean, I'd love to go see Billy Joel play in concert. I would spend four or 500 bucks to see Billy Joel kind of on his way out because that's a once in a lifetime thing. But for an event like this that comes around every single year, I'm seeing pretty much the same players every single year. More often than not, it's the same course every year. You know, I'm down to spend 20 to 40 bucks. But at the same time, if you're trying to get the full four day experience, which is what Maple Hill has to offer, now, all of a sudden, you're talking about $160. Then it's a little bit different. So I understand what you're saying. But what is that happy medium price that we're talking about? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, for, oh, you can say the I'm chat, just, I'm, Yeah, I'm, no, I'm just going to point out what Maple Hill for this year. They're doing like, I think it's 10 bucks without like a few holes for Thursday. It's 20 bucks without a few holes for Friday. And then it just increases, I think. And then it looks like Saturday is 35 Then I'm going to cut you off really quick. Mike because, is in the chat with it. Oh, no, oh, well, hold on. I want to cut you guys off really quick. Parker just texted in the chat and he said, that was my first podcast experience ever. I'm sorry if I talked too long. Dude, Parker, if you know at all the Nick and Matt show, all we want to do is talk. If anything, if Matt was on the podcast tonight, you would have been on for another hour as well because we would have just gone back and forth and had more questions to ask you. You did absolutely incredible. Um, 1010 rated podcaster yeah. guest. I don't know if that's a good thing <laughs> or a bad thing. 
But uh, no, anyways, congrats once again. You you killed it uh, on the course and you killed it on the show. We were very, very thankful to have you. Parker, you're on the show for a reason. We wanted to hear you talk. We're not trying to get like a exactly. 10 second sound bite and then us talk more. No, it was cool. Uh, I thought he did great. It was great. refreshing. He was very excited. Yeah. That's what, uh, you know, yeah. some people are hard to get answers from. He was, he was bringing it all. All right, I'll, I'm gonna hurry up with this though. Uh, Mike Schwartz says four day general mission to MVP that, is eighty eight dollars. That's if you buy it all together. I was, I was. If you buy it all together, what's, what's just final round? That's all I care. Final round. Final general round. Mission. If you just buy is forty five dollars. Thirty. Okay, so that's kind and of a lot. Whole but, is fifty five. So th- that's but, what I'm saying is like the price structure. It's like Thursday's cheaper, Friday's a little more expensive, Saturday's yeah, more expensive, Sunday. DDO might have been that, but uh, I mean, still, for, like, I heard a hundred bucks for general mission for three rounds. If it's four rounds for eighty-eight, either way, I think there's a clear also difference between important country club and MVP or Maple Hill being at the MVP Open. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's supply and demand. I mean, you. you uh, only have so much supply at MVP Open. I mean, they're working out new parking structures, but if you have two thousand people at uh, Maple Hill, it looks packed. You're like, holy! Like, there's yeah. so many people here. If mm-hmm. you have two thousand people at Emporia Country Club, it looks sparse, especially when point. they're watching all different holes. Maybe if they're just huddled around hole 16, it looks awesome. Uh, but if it's not, it's it. It just can be really tough. Yeah. Uh, second, Nick, I want to go back to you. You know, you're saying you would watch Billy Joel for 400 bucks. Absolutely. That's awesome. You, it would be. I don't know if you'd go by yourself. Maybe it'd be, you I would, would go by myself. If I was the only person to go, himself. I'd go by myself. Nick can yeah. play piano. I got no shame on the piano. But just saying. No shame. But if you're going to a thing, the max you're going to you're pay for is you and your girlfriend, or you're going to bring like a buddy or something. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So now put yourself in Matt's shoes. If Matt wants to go see a Celtics game, mm-hmm. like. He's got to pay for him, his wife, and his four kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a whole big deal. It's an excursion. The kids are going to be like, I want food. You know, I was that kid when I was going with my yeah. parents to Red yeah. Sox games and whatnot. So you got to spend all this money. Like, think about how expensive it is just from a ticket perspective. And that can get like, when you're paying $40 per day, you're going to get not not as many kids. It's only mm-hmm. be the incredible diehards. I just, there's a difference between sitting in the low box seats for the Celtics and behind the bench since sitting in the rafters. I think the rafters cheap. Uh, rafter seats should be dirt cheap which um, i'm pretty sure they are and we were going to go into something else with that and i honestly forget what the rest of the question was so if you remember what it was we i can give my other answer but if not i say we it move was pretty on. much what would you spend on general admission like what do you think is a fair price for it i mean i, I know our, our, our sport is growing at somewhat of a decent rate everything from year after year after year things are going to get pricier and pricier now, with them getting pricier, you want the experience to be a lot better. So every single year, I would assume Maple Hill is going to have something new for the people to be able to enjoy. Maybe it's a new parking lot. Maybe it's, you know, games in the sap house, stuff like that. I mean, there's got to be something new every single year if you are charging more and more and more. Um, but it's also, I mean, realistically, we're comparing apples to oranges when it comes to the venues that we are going to. It's it's tough to really compare any venues in disc golf because they're all so different in so many different ways. I mean, Emporia Country Club is sitting on an actual country club. The course is designed to kind of flow with the golf course. When Maple Hill is a private disc golf course that has been a private disc golf course for a number of years. And so you have two completely different experiences within itself. New Englanders are going to prefer watching Maple Hill over Emporia Country Club because that's the disc golf that we grew up on. That is how we like to enjoy disc golf. There are people who do enjoy the wide open bomber course. They love watching these pros. Like I thought the way Parker um, dissected hole 14 with the massive forehand, massive forehand, big putt to get that eagle. I thought that was sick. 
And it was very, very impressive, especially to watch that in the forehand line. But, okay, I want to see that maybe once or twice around. And then I want to see players hit the woods. I want to see them shape shots through trees. But I get it. The experience of it is different. I'm going to go a different perspective here. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course you think are. Think about Emporia, Emporia Country <laughs> Club. Uh, that, that style, not just Emporia, all the places that are, let's say, charging over $30 per day. Uh, then think about uh, the European Open. They, they notably don't charge a thing, and they have thousands of that's fans a, show that's up. That's a great point, but it's also the European and Open. So it's it's European Open. It's their let's say it's their one big event of the year yeah. with all the U.S. players all getting there. I mean, uh, even all of Europe, but uh, also Finland too. They get to see all these new players. It's a major. It's different standards, of course. Uh, but we always talk about how great the the fans it, fans are, how big that is event is. If you're showing a new person disc golf, like you might as well just show them that final round from last year between Paul McBeth and Eagle McMahon with all the fans there and that incredible yeah. battle. Uh, where if you then pan over to Emporia Country Club, and I I feel like I heard uh, didn't I think Udis brought Garmin to the World Championships uh, last year, and there just wasn't a lot of fans, and they were like a little bit bummed. Because they're like, disc golf's this whole big thing. We want you to do disc golf things for your watches and uh, GPS equipment, I think. I, I forget mm-hmm. exactly what they do. Yep. Um, but then they don't see a ton of fans. It's hard to have them believe that. But if they were over in Finland and they see this and you bring you know, a, a prospective company or relationship, you go in and they're going to be like, oh my goodness, disc golf's huge. We got to get into this now. Yeah, let's let's do disc golf. That's like It's it's totally different mindset. But it makes it look so good, and it's so good for our sport. And then you got to also add in the—I mean—the cost analysis. I feel like is a finance term for this. Uh, <laughs> is if you have people showing up, if you have four thousand people show up, how much is the average person going to spend on swag, on food, and all this stuff? Where if you have uh, five hundred people show up at thirty dollars, uh, you might make less because they might not want to buy things and they're not going to spend as much um in total compared to so many people getting there for free um i mean it's it's like the minor league baseball model their tickets they practically give them away because they know you're going to go in and buy an eight dollar hot dog and a 14 dollar beer they still sell high concessions but they don't care how much they shout out to greater good we love their beer it's (laughs) incredibly good beer i'm wearing a woo socks hat right now so yeah exactly yeah we gotta get to a game this season that'd be awesome I moved away, and so I'm like an hour and a half away. I, yeah, Although, you can still hey, come down. Dude, I'm 10 hours away. I'm still going to make a trip uh, Okay, there. fair enough. Keen does have a summer collegiate baseball team called bats. the Keen Swamp Bats. So okay. that's pretty cool. Went to one game already. Gotcha. Going to go to more. Really this. Five, $5 to get in, yeah. and it's actually pretty busy for a collegiate summer league game. You're like, whoa. That's like, pretty cool. Yeah, people are going to these. Riddle so. me this. Every, every single professional sports event that you go to, when it comes to like baseball, basketball, uh, football, you can go in, you buy very, very expensive beer. Don't get me wrong. It's always expensive, but for the people who enjoy drinking beer, it's always fun to get beer. I, When I go to big events, I get some beer because <laughs> I want to hang out and have a good time. Get some beer. Um, disc golf events. We don't really see everyone lining up the fairway with just a red solo cup in hand or like a plastic <laughs> cup drinking beer. I feel like that's something that, I mean, I'm assuming that it's allowed in golf. I mean, what's, well, I was watching some highlights of everyone threw beer when this dude, I was watching the full swing documentary. And someone hit a massive putt on it must have been the waste management hole sixteen or seventeen. Uh, yeah, sorry, well, that's different story. Also, I've seen that in live golf We're, recently. Yeah, I mean, well, well there like, was the event recently where the guy had the champagne and got tackled by security. Oh, but I see, guess that, that was sick. Fantastic. Yeah, but that's not that's the one hilarious. I'm talking about. But that okay. was that was hilarious at the I same time. But I'm just talking well. about that's another thing that you can get at an event as an adult. 
a lot of adults like to drink. Okay. We like to have beer. We enjoy it. Some people enjoy it a little bit too much. And then the next day sucks. But at the same time, at these disc golf events, Maple Hill has done actually Maple Hill. A lot of the breweries come up. Dave, uh, Dave Richardson. Uh, is he flying yeah. dreams? Uh, it, oh think, my goodness. I'm blanking. It's not I flying dreams. Like, Why don't I know it? Okay. But, anyways, the, but the, it, the, the, the point the, of it is people, you know, I remember I've bought beer up there. People have bought me beers up there, but that's just enjoyable to just walk around with a beer in hand and watch disc golf. Something that I don't really know if every single venue sets up for that, but Lower admission prices give people more things to spend money on. The Disc Golf Pro Tour every single year has a massive pro shop. They got apparel out there, and they bring in other pro shops. People want to do some vending as well, giving the people more of an atmosphere. Remember when the Pro Tour first started, Steve Dodge used to have the like circus. There was literally like eight mini games that you could play, and pros were helping out facilitate all those mini games. And I'm not saying bring that back, but I'm saying bringing – more amenities into the sport for people to want to come out and enjoy it. Why do I want to drive an hour and a half from Kansas City to go watch the Dynamic Discs Open? One, I want to watch the best disc golfers in the world play the sport that I love playing. And two, I want to go out and I want to have a good time. That's what, so. I, that's what I think it is. I think it's lack of amenities, lack of money. The reason you're not seeing these fairways lined with beers and solo cups is because it's only on hole one's t-pad if you're out on hole for example maybe hill you're out on a hole eight all day or, or not 11 you're like so far away from the t-pad and i know at mvp yeah. open they go put have, a beer cart out at hole eight. They, they have a beer they have no, a beer they, cart i'm, I'm just saying yeah. i know at, at, that's where i was going they have it at 11 but yeah. i'm saying for all i'm talking about for all the encompassing all events it's just it's i think it's just either the lack of money or they just need to focus more on amenities and put it like every three holes of beer cart. I think that's why in golf there's so many because you probably can't go anywhere without seeing a beer cart. So that that's the main reason. I think it's because yeah. hole one C pad is like the, the clubhouse in disc golf and there's not really much amenities on the course other than Maple Hill. Like Steve Dodge does a good job there. I'm just wondering when I'm going to go play a disc golf course on more of an open one and there's going to be a cart. Either cart girl or cart guy just rolling around and saying, hey, do you want a beer? you want some food? Say less. Absolutely. I want to get to the back nine while I'm hitting, you know, 50 or 60 on the front nine at a golf course. And I want to get my hot dogs. And I want to get a couple of those. And then I want to shoot another 50 or 60 on the back nine. Like, that's what I want to see at a disc golf course, too. My favorite disc golf courses are the ones where, and this is a really great thing about the Grange out in um, Spotsylvania, Virginia, is... You play one through nine, and then when you get to hole 10, you pass by the pro shop. You pass by the kind of hangout area. So you can run to your car really quick. The parking lot's right there. And then 10 through 18, and you end back at that area as well. The flow of it is so, so, so awesome. But, um, yeah, just yeah. another thing that we're spoiled with. Well, what I'll say at least is if, if you go to, um, I mean, uh, baseball games or uh, golf, what are you going to have? You're going to have Bud Light. You're going to have McLob Ultra. You're going to have Coors Light. <laughs> Dude, say Dis- less. I mean, sure, sure, still good. But I will say the props to disc golf when they do have beer, it's usually like cool craft beer. I yeah. mean, again, we we're talking about Maple Hill having the craft beer. I mean, at, up at GMC Smuggler's Notch, mm-hmm. they have uh, out in Oregon. Yeah, I'm blanking on those. Oregon, you have yeah. the Dosses, and I'm sure uh, with their brewing brewery company mm-hmm. and then a few others. Like 
that's cool. Someone was saying there's free beer at Austin. Uh, so when there is beer, I think it's a really, really cool setting that it's more of a craft setting. I mean, even like food trucks too, it's, you're not getting some Aramark, you know, uh, concession stand stuff. Yeah. You're getting a, a cool food truck that's making cool stuff. It might be a little bit higher prices mm-hmm. compared to, uh, well, See, actually it's really not because they sell the concession yeah. price for so well, high. I mean, you so should... better food for same price. I think yeah. it's cool when it happens, but I do agree that it needs to happen more. I've been to a few disc golf pro tour events where there's, you know, only two food stations and it's not a yeah. lot. And then you've been at some more like, you know, MVP open where there's uh, so many different places to get snacks or beer or food. And, and those are great. And I do think that's something you need to go more for. And uh, to round out this whole conversation, there's a whole lot of reasons why, yeah. uh, you know, we saw smaller attendance numbers at DDO. There's a lot of fixes that can happen, but I, I'm going to at least be on the positive side and say that we do see a lot of things get worked out. Mm-hmm. I think we've seen ticket prices rise because we've seen the popularity of the sport grow. Uh, and you know, you try to go a little bit too far. It doesn't work out. You bring it back. There might be cheaper prices next year, or there might be more amenities. We'll see some sort of change. I'm sure. Yeah, I think yeah. if you're charging more, yeah, there has to, there has to be something that's that you bring to the table where it's like, okay, this was worth it, rather than just disc golf. Yeah, exactly. And this is you know a great comment by Bobby. He said, "Took my three nephews to Jonesboro for the final round. Two hundred dollars for VIP. Hundred dollars on discs. So three hundred dollars." Watching Eagle and Calvin battle and seeing my boys' jaws drop when they cross drives, priceless. Absolutely. The experience of that is incredible. Imagine being there for the 2022 World Championships and, oh, excuse me, the 2021 World Championships and watching James Conrad hit the shot out in Utah, hit that holy shot. I mean, that's a priceless moment that you literally can't even put a price on it because being there for that moment is incredible. Every single one of these tournaments has the potential chance of having a moment like that and i'm just going to open this up to chat a little bit we're slowly going to walk off of this conversation but at the same time what is something that you guys want at an event what would make you spend 30 or 40 dollars per day to go to a disc golf pro tour event some sometimes it's the venue sometimes it's the players this is also another thing no page pierce she was doing her music festival thing down in uh bonnaroo i think is the festival is what it was called which pretty awesome. I know Discraft was there. Uh, it seemed like an incredible, incredible time. Live music, bunch of DJs. Um, seemed awesome. Paul Macbeth obviously is out in Europe right now. Um, no Eagle McMahon at this yep, event. No Simon. No, still injured. Simon so no Simon, Simon, no Eagle. Simon was just whooping up on people at a B tier out in Massachusetts. <laughs> fire. That's elite. Uh, what's move. that? I said that's an elite move. That's fire. Yeah, exactly. You know, he's still got to make a paycheck somehow. So going and whipping up on people. But shout out to the other guys like Dylan. I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce his last name. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah I, I want to shout out really quick. And this is a shameless plug on my part. I went out and played an A tier at Iron Hill. Shout out to anyone who has helped out at Iron Hill. That course is so freaking fun to play. But the tournament director, Vince, assistant tournament director, Jimmy McLevane. And if you're just getting into the sport, you might not know who he is. Go look up old school disc golf monthly videos. He's one of the commentators, him and Carl Cubbage. Um, Jimmy McLevane, absolute legend in the sport. I actually did see him, didn't get a chance to introduce myself. I was pretty bummed about that. But And then I want to shout out my buddy Cody Bradshaw, one of my closest friends down here in Virginia now, getting second place, ultimately losing in the playoff, which was a bummer. But got second place at the tournament. It was a super fun weekend, hung out with all my friends and you know, great time, but yeah, enough Tony, about that. Tony Mo Reese taking it down. Tony Mo Reese taking it down, dude. Stud, stud yeah, of a lefty. What, a, what incredible a lefty player. <laughs> and uh, hole one, funny enough, you could argue that it's a little bit lefty friendly. It's also very righty friendly at the same time. Just a smooth righty turnover. Lefty Heiser. The second hole 
way more righty friendly. Just kind of Heiser, miss the one tree in the middle, get to the basket. Cody ended up hitting a tree a little bit too long. Tony Maurice, this isn't a playoff. Tony Maurice, you very rarely see lefties with a great forehand. And this dude absolutely piped a lefty forehand on a smooth Heiser, put it to 33, 34 feet, maybe just outside the circle, can the putt, ended up winning it. Um, so shout out to him. So that that was incredible to be there. Got to watch the playoff a little bit. And, I, I uh, want to go back for a second, though. You said lefties rarely have a good forehand. I feel like every lefty either has a good forehand or whole, a good right? turnover. Yeah, they have a good turnover, but yeah. you don't see a lot I of mean, lefty. Like oh, we're, we're, you know, look, we, we've got, you know, Chris Clemens, arguably one of the best lefty forehands in the game. Zach Melton, yeah. arguably one of the best lefty yeah. forehands in the game. But I think, could be wrong about this, Zach Arlinghouse, younger player. I'm pretty sure he's a righty forehand player, lefty backhand uh, player. That, he like, doesn't me. have a lefty forget. forehand. And so there's a, you just see a lot of them that are the lefty backhand players with the righty forehand. I don't know why. I know a I've, lot of it comes I, from I know baseball. Like four people like that. It's yeah, exactly. And so it's just cool to see lefty forehand players. We got to see Chris Clemens on the uh, feature card at DDO the first round, and you get to see mm-hmm. that lefty forehand. Um, yeah. Well, keep it in Delaware. I did want to say, mm-hmm. uh, well, Michael Johansson also getting third place. Yep. Uh, it's been missed the putt. We- missed the putt on the final hole from about 42 feet to also go into the playoff. Yeah, uh, we saw Mike Mosier. Well, we didn't. We saw. I didn't see. Oh, I saw. You saw. Uh, I just say that. That's my like uh, um, everything like that mm-hmm. saying. Uh, but Mike Mosier wins MP fifty. That's win number two seventy six for him. Uh, he has. Uh, ooh, I wrote that wrong. I got the number wrong. Uh, I didn't write down how many MP uh, uh, age protected pro age protected wins he has. Uh, but he's getting up there on the list. I think he was fourth in pro wins in total uh being open and age protected pro uh you know behind i i have the list up i gotta find it real quick um it is schweberger elaine king barry schultz and then mike Mosier in fourth uh so cool to see him getting a win i'm sure <laughs> sure those other players also probably got wins this weekend um but just with it being a notable a tier that nick you played in was able to come across it yeah, exactly. And I also, I was talking about Simon a little ago. He didn't just whoop up on everyone. I, he was being pushed. Don't get me wrong. Like we just say, you know, Simon came out and whooped on all the local boys out in Massachusetts. But Dylan played absolutely incredible. I think it was only one or two strokes after the first round. And then I think Simon got off to a little bit better of a start the second round and ultimately was able to close it out. But uh, no, some players in Massachusetts actually uh, played incredible out there. Notables were like Casey White. He was at that event. Kyle Moriarty was at that event. Um, and I don't know everyone else, but Hey, you want to hear something uh, really, Casey really cool White about, you want to hear something really cool about my last round at Delaware? Yes. I got to play with royalty. Paul Kranz played with him. The final round also got to play with Harry chase, the final round, dude. Oh, and then no Trevor. And yeah. So yeah, well, yeah, I played a bad final round. Harry Sorry. played incredible that round. Paul and I were definitely struggling a little bit, me a little bit more. And then I, uh, Trevor Harbaugh played also a great round. Um, nice. him and Harry played great, but it was so fun because I I've never played a tournament round with Paul before, and so that was great. And Paul's dad just the nicest dude in the world. So him and I are hanging out the whole time. Oh, I'm hanging out with Paul and Harry, dude. Such a such a good time. I obviously I wish I played better. Don't get me wrong, but you know what? Wait, wait. That's wild. That it was wait. It was you, Harry Chase, Paul Kranz, and Trevor, Trevor Harbaugh, yeah, who have all lived in Massachusetts at yeah, times. Or- exactly. And then I played oh, with Gillis McDougal. But that's Massachusetts. I played with uh, Gillis McDougal round two. Wow. Yeah, that's it was crazy. super cool. Yeah. Nice. It was awesome. 
Yeah. But cool. um. Anyways, that pretty much covered the stuff that we wanted to talk about. I want to swing country it club. I want. Swing. Yeah. What do you got? I was going to swing it back over to Europe real quick. There's a Prodigy Just Pro Tour event. And I I swear this is a Hawaiian city, so I don't know how to pronounce it. But Olu, O-U-L-U. <laughs> that's Hawaiian. It really is. But apparently it's Finnish. Wow. Um, this is the number two for the Prodigy Just Pro Tour. Again, kind of a national tour of Finland. But it the fields are so strong that it's essentially the same level as the European Pro Tour or the good Euro Tour events. Uh, I'm going to try my best here. But we had uh, two first-time winners in MPO and FPO on the Prodigy Just Pro Tour. Miro Raihanen wins it in MPO, uh, and Olivia Kindstead wins it in FPO. Uh, Olivia Kindstead, it was her 15th Prodigies Pro Tour event. She has finished in top 10 in every single one, uh, but this was her first win and only second podium of those as well. Um, she finished third at Tampere in 2021. Uh, cool to see here get the win. And then uh, Miro Raihanen, if I'm getting all these pronunciations right, uh, he gets first place. His best, it's only his fourth Prodigies Pro Tour event. His best previous finish was 24th uh, just earlier this year in Helsinki. Uh, he also has some European Pro Tour uh, events. He finished fourth at the Belgian Open earlier this year. Um, has yet to play a Euro Tour event. Uh, I think he's a little bit of a newer player. The first event I have for him was an MJ 18 in 2021. Uh, so <laughs> those young Finns uh, are scary, but uh, cool to see that. And and Nick, you had the other events that I had coverage for, so I don't have any more uh, cool stats. Yeah, I mean, stats are definitely awesome when you have them. Um, <laughs> realistically, uh, one thing we actually haven't talked about them in a little while, but they're an awesome supporter of the show. We do love them. We're getting into the summertime. I would just want to shout out DG Max Wax. If you go check out their website, they have the greatest grip kind of enhancers in our sport. Um, you put on the sticky stuff under your fingertips. It also it helps increase speed. Uh, excuse me, speed uh, increases the spin off of. You can see it from Ben right now showing up the mini looking DG Max Wax. They also have a little chapstick one that is great. Use code Nick and Matt for 10% at Ch- checkout. Chapstick container one. Let's be chapstick clear there. container one. Yeah, please don't use it as actual like chapstick. Did, it helps nice. you get a grip in the sport of disc golf, which we're in that season where getting a grip is very hard with how humid it is in the areas that we all play in. So check it out, dgmaxwax.com. Use code Nick and Matt. They, and I'm not sure, but they should be coming out with a really, really cool summer blend that I'm very, very excited for. Um, but like I said, one more time, check them out, dgmaxwax.com. Use code Nick and Matt at checkout for 10% off. They've been incredible supporters of the show. If you were a little bit newer to the show, please check it out and tag us in on Instagram if you go out and use it. I remember we've used it before when we played at Meadowbrook and done some fun videos with it. So we're very excited for all the support that they have given us on the show. Um, I just had a topic in my head. And then kind of forgot what well, it was. I want to talk about your background for a second, Nick. We've been going the whole show and you're not in the creepy basement anymore. You got an upgrade. Dude, I got a little bit of an upgrade. So I'm house sitting right now for my girlfriend's parents and they have a very beautiful home out in Virginia. And so I've decided to just move myself into the office, which is where her, this is her father's office. And um, yeah, so I moved myself. Yeah. Who signed what? In the, Tell in us. The, in the glass. The Sandlot reference, a good Sandlot reference. Uh, it Thanks says 1998 that. Diamondbacks inaugural season, Ooh. and then that is Ooh. that's the signature. So Randy Johnson. I'll let I'll let you tell me. Yeah, that's got to be Randy Johnson, maybe. And oh, then that, Balloon Johnson, <laughs> Jack Anderson. There's a little uh, piece of paper. I'm trying here. to think like of. Oh, OG it's got a certi- it's got a COA. 
like Steve Finley and uh, oh my goodness, who's it's the, the official Gonzalez? 1994 World Series baseball? 1998. It says 94 on the COA. Maybe they didn't 94. win. Maybe they were in the World Series. 90, 1994 didn't happen. It was the strike I'm, year. I'm just telling you what I'm reading. Um, that's that's got to be either really expensive or really cheap. Then I don't know. I, someone tell me. I'll 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 text them actually. Yeah. Yeah. I'm let me, curious let me about text that. Them. I, yeah, you got to take some pictures of that. I want to. It's fun to figure those things out. Uh, hold on. Uh, I don't know if Randy Johnson was was he on the Diamondbacks in '98? Uh, yeah. Was, was it a little I'm bit not, later? I'm not, I'm not the pawn star guy that they call like, hey, let me get an expert in. I didn't. I couldn't read him, that. They had him yeah. by 2001, which is when they beat the now. Yankees. Right. It was the second from the left. Dude, I. Don't know. Yeah, I just don't know what signature you was up. But anyways, yeah, so I'm staying here and I brought my whole computer set up because I'm sick of driving out to Gude to play <laughs> some video games at night when I want to. And so now I can play video games here. It seems like the internet is a hell of a lot faster than I have out <laughs> in Gude. So uh, yeah, I finally brought it here. I brought a basket over for myself and all 25 of my practice putters. And so I will be... <clears throat> doing some putting practice actually after this podcast when I get a little bit of food in my stomach. But yeah, anyway, so I'm hanging out here. I'm house sitting because they have two beautiful cats and I'm a huge cat person. And so nice. I would let them in the room right now, but Sydney, one of the cats would be walking across the whole thing every single 10 seconds. I'd pick her up, put her down and she would jump right back on. So anyways, the door is shut. If you hear some random meowing, it's because they're pissed at me. I left all weekend. And when I came back, they're like, please don't leave again. Little do they know I'm leaving next weekend as well. So feel bad oh, for them. Bummer. But, cats uh, are the best though. Yeah. Oh, cats are amazing. Yeah. I, I don't know. So anywho, I'm but allergic. enough about that. I have a cool place that'll be set up for. I might actually be in studio next Monday. What? So shout out to that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to fly back to Massachusetts Sunday or Monday. I haven't quite decided yet, but sick. my brother and future sister-in-law are in town. And so I want to spend some time and see them because the last time I saw them was actually a year ago when I went out to Oregon. I think that was the last time I saw them. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Because they went to New Zealand for Christmas because they're bougie. And uh, anyways. Yeah. yeah I, I so. heard your brother's That's... a genius through your cousin. So. My brother is a genius. Yeah, my brother is, I'm very, like, I'm not dumb. I'm pretty dumb. <laughs> but, like, I, I didn't apply myself in school. I never got good grades. Uh, the only time I wanted to get good grades was because I wanted to play sports. But um, my brother was just a freak of nature when he came as a student. He's also a very, very talented and gifted drummer, uh, especially in the heavy metal regards. He's got super long hair, you know, goes all the way down to his back. And uh, just an insanely good drummer. But yeah, he's he's very, very smart. And um, so, yeah, I want to go back and see them for a little bit. So I might go back and spend like three or four days in Massachusetts and then but it should work out to where I'll actually be in oh, studio. Dude, we should uh, we should pl- we should plan uh, to film uh, yes. all of us. We, we should uh, do. Uh, what am I saying? Record a video. Let's L- do one it. of our challenge videos. Exactly. Totally down for yeah, it. Yeah, One so. of our ideas. We're going to have some more topics. I thought I thought we had something else. We've only been going live for an hour and like 30, 45 minutes. We got oh, to jump change. 37. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is a two hour show on the regular. Uh, Des Moines Challenge is coming up. Ooh, Notable yes. about Des Moines Challenge is Simon Lazar, I would assume, will be there. He is the reigning champion. One of the best moments in all of sports when he puts that last putt and gets a nice little finger point with it. Uh, definitely one of the 
my favorite moments from last year's this golf season. Oh, I was thinking back to that playoff and just like Dude, sick playoff. The sickest playoffs we've had, I'm gonna say in the live coverage era, because like you you have 2014 Worlds, you have uh mm-hmm. oh my goodness, what year was that USDGC one with Climo and Schultz? Um 2002 or something like that, 2003, okay. 2004, maybe. Uh, I mean, you have like a few like three way playoffs. I, I can't think of how many others have gone past like three holes on that level. Yeah. But when we think about live coverage era, it, it, I honestly think that's that's got to be number one, right? Am I crazy? Like, is there a, a better uh, playoff? Era. I mean, like it, it all, it all depends. Holes, it, it all depends holes. on what your opinion is of a what is a better playoff. I mean, in okay. 2021, we had James Conrad throw the best shot at disc golf and then win in okay. the playoff, win in a one hole playoff Wales, right yeah. after. Yeah, um, Kyle Klein and yeah. uh, Paul yeah. McBeth at USCGC. Okay. Paul makes the big putt on 17. And but, but both of those playoffs, let's analyze this. Both of those playoffs, like it was, an, it was incredible moments leading up to the playoffs. Both playoffs, though. We're pretty mad. Like yeah. you, you immediately knew after the tee shots who won. Uh, oh my goodness. Worlds last year too, with Paul Macbeth, same thing. Um, uh, if we go to USDGC, all with Paul Macbeth, my goodness, uh, we go to USDGC. You didn't know that. Uh, all right. I'll just roll with this. Uh, you didn't know that Kyle Klein was definitely going to lose off that tee shot, but it was pretty much in Paul's favor. Uh, and then both worlds, uh, the Utah one, you knew, uh, Conrad was parked. Macbeth went OB. You knew Conrad was going to win. Uh, and then the uh, Worlds won last year in Emporia. Gossage goes OB. Macbeth was on the island. Like, you knew it was going to be. Like, there was a chance, but you knew what was going to happen. But the Des Moines one, like, the first couple holes, I think, were a little bit slow. But Moines, when it, it was electric. Up, I, it was hole three. Like, just, a, I, mean, it, I mean, I'm sure everyone remembers it as Burridge I'm saying it. I don't need up. to recap it. But Burridge hits that putt and you thought like there's no way he mid flight he like does the I, we talked about this he does a little squat like oh that's in and then runs it down and then you get to Simon and you're like oh my goodness like we thought Simon was going to win it but now you see this putt and it's not he easy. Had a pressure yeah he did a pressure putt and he, he and then Simon hits it uh, and then he had you know stump so gate little, like I just I can give you that, sorry so good I can give you a little insight behind that because I talked to Simon about it um behind his mindset he was just like Playing like carefree, you, like that's John Elway. That's, that's John sick. Elway. Football signed by John Elway. Nice. Um, so he, I don't know. He he just told me to grab it. He said that's really cool. <laughs> and I was I'm not really much of a football person, but I figured Evan, you'd probably know who it is. But he, uh, um, yeah, I do know who John yeah. Elway is. Do you know he what said, year that's from? Uh, absolutely. They, not. they won the Super Bowl in what '99 and 2000. Uh, cheated with those too. They went over the salary cap, but they don't like, uh, they like to mention the page, the Patriots cheating, but they don't like to mention they did it too. Uh, fun fact, but not to dilute the cool John Elway signature. Back to what I was saying. The reason I think he was just so calm, cool, collect because he's Simon and he's nasty, but he, uh, his mindset was like, he was okay with Burridge winning it just because he's like a young kid on the tour. Simon already had like how many at that point? Maybe it was like two at that yeah so he was just like like if he wins he wins and i think you know that's just a cool testament to to simon just like he was just playing calm cool collected ice in his veins and locked it down Uh, and i've just been given a bunch of cool stats all day about um, about john elway no 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 about uh parker welk uh and how he's ranked 72nd in the world uh which is a lot higher than you would think uh prior to this event uh, and that being the lowest ranked elite or major winner ever. Uh, do you know what Burridge was ranked by the Statmendo official rankings before Des Moines? 140th. I don't. 
296. Wow. Wow. And it, I'm looking at uh, players who have finished in first or second mm-hmm. uh, at elite or major events uh, since the official ranks ranking started in 2005. Uh, the next highest is Willie Prince at 28. Willie D-Glo. Prince, D Glow. Oh. Willie Prince and D Glow is like the perfect sentence. You When yeah, you talk right. about D Glow, you talk about Willie Prince. Uh, yeah, and he was 161, which is crazy that like, it, it, oh, like uh burge is almost double the highest rank then we haven't seen anything higher like that's that's unreal i'm gonna pull it for uh disc golf pro tour standings right now i don't know where burge was uh last year he was 149th going into that event he also would have been the lowest uh ranked uh lowest ranked by disc golf pro tour points it's weird to say rank with that but it technically is um the next lowest uh top two finisher was actually simon lazat at austin earlier this year um he was 130th which i believe he played what, what he played vegas finished like 50 something probably got a point um and just didn't play a few events so with disc golf pro tour points it's usually a little bit dependent on uh how, how many, many events have they played yeah because like it yeah. well it doesn't count before or at least how i ran it it, it doesn't count before you're in the system because obviously it'd be like undefined if it was the first event ever and then you also had like eagle man being the second lowest at european open last year whereas you know actually world ranking was still top 10 or so uh, but his disc golf pro tour points was in the sixties. So not perfectly accurate, um, but still very cool. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Yeah, I guess, I don't know. Now you got me thinking about live disc golf playoffs. And I think it's something that we're definitely going to see more and more, man, the competition has just been getting so consistent lately that we're not seeing, we're seeing consistency at the top, but we're also seeing players come up and we're not seeing a lot of, made like big big number wins we're seeing a lot of close battles especially on the fpo side as well um Haley king though i i just want to bring it back to dynamic discs open dynamic discs open really quick um Haley king taking that down was i think something in the game that we were playing what a week or two ago with matt when we were talking about where are all these players standing was it the over under six and we all sucked at the game evan you weren't here for that but it was a really oh. fun game that matt thought of and um, oh, we're yeah, all like, we, dude, Evan's probably saying, kicking yeah. himself in the face right now because we all dude, suck at this. But, I was, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. I, I tuned in for like five minutes and then I heard some of it and then saw it later. And I was like, I, I already knew enough about it that I yeah. wasn't trying to play. But it, I did get a few wrong. Like it was, yeah, was it was probably tough. closer to 50 percent than yeah. better than that. Dude, it was it was tough. But anyways, we were talking about I think he had said Haley King over under sixth place in DGPT standings right now. And I think all of us got the question wrong. We had Ryan Travis, he called in for the show as well. And um yeah, it was wild. And so uh, she's actually having a much better season than I had originally thought. But yeah, yeah, for her to take down the win. We uh for everyone out there, we did reach out to Haley. She is actually driving to Des Moines today. She's on the 16 hour drive, she had said. Our goal is to have her on next week, actually. Her and I have been in communication about it. So hopefully we will have her on next week. It's good to lock in the back-to-back winner before they win back-to-back. So that way she can be overwhelmed next week. Exactly. Um, I'll help your brain. I'm going to read through playoffs right now just because, like, I was having trouble remembering. Yeah. So this is from all uh, major elite and silver events. Uh, so we and this is for MPO and FPO. So we just had DDO this past week uh, weekend. We saw Portland just a little bit before that with Hamas and Gossage. 
Oh, yeah. um, and, and this might get old. So, I mean, if we, if it sparks some stuff and we're, we're good to move on, that's fine too. Uh, but Jonesboro earlier this year, we saw Haley King and Kat Mersh. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, uh, we saw an MVP open Kristen Tatar and Natalie Ryan worlds, Paul McBeth and Aaron Gossage, Des Moines, Simon Lazat, Burridge, uh, Deeglo, Heimberg and Ellis, uh, Sula open. This was, I think this was kind of an exciting one. Uh, Barsby and Samarad, uh, Jonesboro the year before Heimberg and Macbeth. Uh, Oh, Oh, this might be the the next most exciting is Las Vegas Challenge uh, with oh, Drew Gibson and Burr. And Drew Gibson, yeah, I, that was a great playoff. Oh, that might be it. That Drew Gibson's it. got what two Pro Tour wins, both of them off of playoffs. That's pretty sick. Yeah. Uh, okay, and to keep on going, we have Mason Ford and Wysocki at mm-hmm. 2021 Music City, which actually uh, I, I want to take a quick break. Cool, cool stat that I said earlier was. Um, Parker Welk was the first player to win an elite or major with zero top 15 uh, prior finishes from elite and major events with at least one start. Uh, if we lower that number just to top tens, uh, you have to include a few more players. Uh, and one of them is Mason Ford at 2020 Music uh-huh. City. He didn't have a single top 10 before that event. That was his first ever top 10. Um, I'm forgetting there's one other MPO name, but I do know Des Redding is also in that club. She finished 11th. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was Greg Hosfeld. He finished 11th at a major uh, before he won Worlds a few years later, I believe. So there's gotcha. only four players who have won without a top 10 prior, and Mason Ford was one of them uh, with that playoff win over Wysocki. Um, this was another exciting one, Kyle Klein versus Andrew Marweed at uh, Idlewild in 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also saw the clash of canyons uh 2021 worlds um then we got to go back to 2019 to see the hall of fame classic uh 2019 Adam Hammes, calvin heiberg yeah yeah uh 2019 portland open uh 2019 las vegas and then we're, we're getting close to the start of a uh, live coverage here or at least in the current disc golf network state yeah. Uh, 2018 Beaver State Fling, 2018 Waco, 2017 Hall of Fame Classic had a three-way playoff between Wysocki, Macbeth, and Lazat. Yep. Um, yeah, and I, I think that's – oh, uh, I'm jumping down the list here. Uh, two in a row, but we have 2016 Majestic and 2016 Vibram Open. Uh, I'm not going to say it's 2016 Vibram Open, but that was uh, Chipmunk Gate. Chipmunk then, uh, Gate. That, dude, that was so funny watching that live in person. MJ and Bradley Williams and then Chipmunk Gate on – uh mj's upshot but then 2016 majestic mm-hmm. um uh, okay if we is that sexton that, yeah it's sexton and wysocki yeah i don't know if i would call that as good of a playoff we'll say in the disc golf pro tour era so it's 2016 to present didn't sexton uh, miss a doinker like doink a putt i believe because they did just the the same two holes back and forth 18 and one maybe i think i forget the yeah i don't know I the exact numbers like but it was like into the woods and then or out 18 the and 27 or 24 i know they uh played more holes out there yeah and i believe sexton had two like circle putts to to win over wysocki and yeah. i think he missed them both or and then wysocki won the next one i forget exactly what but uh if, if we're gonna think about this this topic i i think it's a a three i think there's three possible ones uh being des moines uh oh my goodness las vegas between gibson and burr mm-hmm. and then there's one other one that really popped out at me but I'm, I don't know exactly what it was. But yeah. I think those two are really the main two. I know that's all the live coverage playoffs that we've seen, but nothing nothing rivals the 2014 uh, Worlds playoff between Wysocki and Macbeth. That is just awesome to watch on YouTube. Uh, even it's, Well, it's Disc Golf Network did the rewatch with, I think it did was, they? was it Ian Anderson and Terry Miller, I think? Yeah, probably. 
I don't know if they had Macbeth or Waisaki on it, but they did a rewatch um, of it. And it was, it, it's cool to watch back in like when Waisaki doinks on that seventh playoff hole, you're still just like, Oh, that stinks. And like, I mean, but there's so much to it. There's so much yeah. back and forth, huge putts, uh, big swings. And mm-hmm. on the final hole of regulation, didn't Macbeth hit a ginormous putt to push it? Something like that. Probably. Paul came back a dumb amount of strokes. And I think the last, 36 or 27 holes had come back an insane amount or maybe even the last like 12 holes. Uh, he did something ridiculous. If he was on right now, he could actually talk about it more, but bring him on. Um, Ooh. it's, uh, uh 4am where he is probably Florida or two or three. He's in Europe, I know, bro. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> I'm like, what? Uh, stupid joke. Ben's best friend Daniel in the chat uh, says Paige Pierce and Haley at the Discord Pro Tour finale. Yeah. That's that's good memory too. Uh, I think there was yeah. wasn't there one other one at the Discord Pro Tour finale. I, I didn't list those either. I was running through them, but because it was non-standard, it doesn't yeah. come up in this one. Um, but yeah, that's a good know. point. And I, I okay now I'm now I'm curious because oh there's one last year between Waisaki and uh, Robinson. That one again was a one hole one. Um, but I feel like there's been a few more disc golf pro tour championships, but with just the amount of yeah. money on the, on the line there, I feel like that, that yeah. can be a really big one too. It's always tough. The one hole playoffs, you kind of forget them about you for, excuse me, you forget about them a little bit quicker than the big ones, like the Burridge and the Simon. I, I, a lot of times these one hole ones is one person, you know, gets the birdie. One person gets the part, the Burridge and Simon one almost started out to where Burridge could have won it on the first hole. Cause Simon, didn't he have a horrible second shot? Like it, wasn't horrible, yeah. but he well, threw it into the ground only probably 100, 150 feet in front of him to where you know for a fact he's taking a four. And Burridge, I think, missed the circle two putt high or right side yeah, or something it, like that. It was, like, some, yeah. it was a big elevation. Well, not, not that big. Uh, for Des Moines, Iowa, pretty big elevation drop. Uh, that, that makes it sound bad either. I'm yeah. uh, not presenting it well here. Uh, but it was, a, a you know, let's say, a downhill putt from circle two. Uh, it's one where, like, for the win, you're like, uh, you almost got to make that. But then you think about it, you're like, that's yeah. that's a pretty tough putt. Oh, no doubt. Playoffs are badass, dude. We love watching good disc golf like that. And yeah. so... It, really while, while we're on the topic of Des Moines challenge I've got it pulled it up on my I've got it pulled up on my PDGA page and every single week we rush our picks at the end because we <laughs> always freaking forget to do them so I want to do Des Moines picks right now and get it out of the way I want to talk I want this to be for points we can put 10 bucks on it whoever <laughs> does the best whatever but we're gonna talk picks chat I want you guys talking picks as well um who's taking it down? Should should we make a rule that like even though she didn't win last week, you can't pick Kristen Tatar? No, I feel like no, that's not how betting works. If I want to bet on the Celtics because they beat a <laughs> but, team one night, I can have, bet on them again. You have betting odds, so if yeah, you're betting odds. Okay, let's make some betting should, odds then. So all like right, five hundred or something. I don't know. So at the beginning of the season, we have to go by the ranks, and so if you pick Kristen Tatar and she's ranked number one, you get one point. If you pick Kat Merch and she's ranked number 12th, you get 12 points for a pick. I think that's a great idea. You would have gotten, what, 126 points for Parker if you had picked him? Sick. No one's going to beat you. <laughs> no, that's, we, that's, not a, that's not a bad way to do it. it we can yeah. come up with a point system, though, for the, maybe the 2024 Nick and Matt show season. Or if you yeah. want to do it next week, we can do that. We, we kind of already started doing it. But, yeah, we'll have to put together a spreadsheet. Yeah. Now, ben, you made up the rules halfway through. When you're picking winners, you go all out. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. That's Ben messing with me, right? It's not just the camera. <laughs> what was it? 
was, was that you, Ben? No. Or is that just my camera freaking Maybe out? Your camera. Oh, oh, that's so bad. weird. <laughs> no, it was Ben. Uh, but it, when you're picking winners, you want to go all out. If you're if your winner uh, finished the second or a hundredth, you lost. Exactly. So you're trying to go. For I'm betting one. on the people who I think are going to win the events. I thought AB and Chris and Tatar last week, and I was wrong on both regards. So yeah, let's talk picks for Des Moines Challenge, the True Bank Des Moines Challenge presented by Discraft. Um, on the MPO side, Eagle McMain's playing the event. Okay, he is signed up for it, and whether he's playing it or not, who knows. Simon Lazat's playing the event. I really want to pick AB because I just want him to win an event. But I think realistically, if I'm actually going to pick someone, dude, Chris Dickerson's about to get his first one of the season. Oh, that's Ooh, a good call. Bold. Yep. Dickerson. Nope. That's a Ben pick right there. That is a great that's call. That's a great pick. <laughs> All right. We're, we're putting a dollar on this then? Yeah, we'll put a dollar on it. Okay. If we're putting a dollar in, like, does the winner, if you pick number one, you just get the pool? Or are we actually doing like a head-to-head matchup here? No, you get the pool. We each put a dollar in, so you get four dollars winner take. Is this like all. an ace pot? It rolls over into the next week until someone <laughs> picks a winner, and then it's split. Yeah, I'm down with oh. that. That's that's kind of fair. Yeah, okay. I like that idea actually. But okay, but two two pools, one for MPO, one for FPO. It's just like with Kristen Tatar, no. it just messes with everything. All right, we got two dollars each week. You put it in the okay. same pool. If you get one of the all wins, right. you yeah. have an MPO ace pot and an FPO ace pot. Exactly. Understood. All right, I'll go up next. Uh, I'm going to go chalk by the rating. It's, I'm going to pick Ricky Wysocki. Uh, oh my I'm goodness, cutting you off really go. quick. You man, heard you it here stop. first. Matt Graham says, if Dickerson wins, I will shave my beard off. Oh, Someone no. screenshot it. I, I don't want him deleting that. Someone get a picture of it. Because when Dickerson wins, we next week live on the Nick and Matt show are going to shave Matt's beard. Oh my goodness, I will show up in studio for that. Which I don't even know if he's going to be back next week, but we're going to do it. So <laughs> I hope he is. that is bold. Anyways, I, Nick, back I, to you. I don't 100% agree with your pick, but not shave. Like, I don't even have nice uh, as nice of a beard as Matt. I wouldn't even shave my beard off for that. Like, Chris Dickerson has a legitimate chance of winning. Uh, but I am going to go with Ricky Wysocki. Uh, obviously, not a chalk pick as far as this season goes. Did win Cascade. Um, but I always feel like Des Moines lines up really well to Ricky's game. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. I'm not really a good, like, form and type of game analysis as far as just, like, numbers and stats. But it just feels like it works really well for Ricky. Uh, it seems like he's getting better. Uh, so. I'm going to go with him, but uh, I think there's a lot of good options here. It's a tough pick. Okay, before we get to Ben, I got a sidetrack because I just thought this was so cool and would have been such a good thing. Last year, I picked Gannon Burr to win this event. For the first time ever, I picked him before Mm -hmm. he won a major elite. He's going back to Iowa. I think it would be such a cool moment, but he missed cash this past week, so I don't know if I can pick him. So going with Ricky. Okay. All you, Ben. All me. Um, I mean... You guys know what I'm gonna pick. My 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 Maddie one of my o. favorite players ever. I'm gonna go off Kearns's coattails, I guess, and say I think he's Gannon gonna win. Burr. He's in Iowa. Uh, I always believe in. I think I picked him like not DDO, but the one before that. Maybe I picked him. Um, I think he's. I think he's gonna take it down. Uh, I think he's. Top three in the world, and I think he just had it off round, Evan. So take that. <laughs> he had an off three rounds, Ben. <laughs> and off three rounds. 
Actually, no, he did have a very bad last run. I saw he shot 72. I don't really know what the par is out there, but it was I, not great. I would pick Burr over Dickerson personally if I had to put money on one or the other. That's fine. I when I take him. all you guys' money, it's all right. Don't ma- it uh, don't matter. Yeah, no hate to Dickerson. I hope he gets the yeah. win too. Matt, who did Matt say? Matt said Gannon Burr as well, actually. Oh, that's boring. He said Kristen Tatar and Gannon Burr. And then um, I'm going Cap FBO. Oh, did we not do Cap Mer- I mean, did we not do FBO? No, 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 we we're going FBO now. Okay, cool. Go ahead, Nick. Right, I'm going to shut my camera off, Ben. <laughs> if I'm just going to be red for the rest of the night. <laughs> all right, I'm done. I'm he done. just starts bleeding. <laughs> this is what happens when Matt's not here. I just get cameras I'm messed done. with. I, I can do it because Matt's not here. I, like, dude, this has been an intrusive thought of mine for like ever. Just like I've always thought about when you're like <laughs> drink water, do something to just press you, so you're alive on screen. But this is a yeah. more fun show. So, I thought all right, let's roll into FPO. Yeah. Nick, rolling it first. into FPO. It's hard not to pick Chris and Tatar, but Missy Gannon and Paige Pierce are also at the event, along with Haley King. Also, Paige Pierce, only 970 rated right now. Missy Gannon is actually higher rated than Paige, which I didn't realize that. Um, I kind of like Kristen Tatar winning. Oh, no, actually, I should say I love Kristen Tatar winning this event because I definitely think she will. Kind of like a Paige Pierce quick uh, pick, though. But I think I'm going to stick with my guts. I'm going to be very boring and say Chris Dickerson and Kristen Tatar. All right, I'm, I'm going to do the same. I mean, if we're putting money oh. on this, oh my goodness. That Ben's was, trying that, to mess with no, so much that, that he no, that almost took the whole that, stream down. No, that was a complete accident. <laughs> uh, if we're putting money on this, like, I just, there's no way you can't go Kristen Tatar. It'd be really fun to pick, like, I think Holland Hanley is just so due. I don't know if this course is it. And she just finished second. So I'm not trying to hop in that bandwagon uh, and have a boring pick. But you want to do, you just, if we're putting money on it, I have to go Tatar. There's no other way. Exactly. It's you, Ben, which is why I said we should do no Tatar for doing money, but we'll let it roll. No, see, the thing is, if you and I both pick Tatar and she wins, oh, this is what we also got to figure out. If we're doing this for money, we can't have the same picks. You uh, know what I mean? Because if you I, and I pick I, Chris and Tatar, then all it's going to do, oh, all it's going to do is push into next week. Unless Ben goes somebody else I'm and risk it all. And they win, yeah. And, yeah. and then we each win 33 cents, and that's all right, cool Gamber, Hall, and Hanley, that's what picks. All right, let's Gamber, go. If Kristen Starr wins, I get 33 cents. There, there you go. go. Now, see, if Kristen wins and I pick her and you pick her, then it should just push to next week, and then we get a $2 ace pot. That's a, that's how I think it should be. No, it's an ace pot. If It's not two people hit it, then the ace pot rolls over to the next event. Yeah, but it's not really an ace pot. That's the thing. It's not actually an ace pot. It's okay. just a pool. It's a money but- pool. Yeah. Okay, but then think about this. If so we you want to split? Pick, you want to split we, the dollar? We'll get all right, we, Evan. We'll do fifty cents a piece. That's fine. You don't want to make any money. We, we won't make any money. No, we're making Ben's money because Ben picked Holland Hanley, which is a fine pick. It's just not a, you're picking. So Kristen we're making fifty cents off of. No, we're making no, not like, even me, because me, you, and Matt are because Matt still thirty three cents a piece. Yeah. Yes. Well, somebody gets thirty four or something yeah. like that. Uh, but yeah, it but is called the scenario, Nick in Matt show, so I think I should get the thirty four cents. But that's just I my don't that's care. just my two cents. Uh, <laughs> Goodness. Um, but yeah. if it rolls over to the next week because we pushed, I, I guess you're thinking of skins, and that's why skins is dumb. But we're already skin, at the end of the dude, show. Skins is great. Skins playing is skins dumb. is so fun, dude. It, it's fun, but I hate the rolling yeah. over to do. It's like different in disc golf because you're trying to push it. I mean, maybe it yeah. does make sense here, but either way, I think it's dumb. I 
wish skins was slightly different dude i want to see and, and now we're just kind of casually talking because we got all of our picks and now we're just casually talking i want to see super doubles in disc golf i want to see two of the best players are. in the world pick oh, super okay i see yeah Sorry. like super doubles, like like yep. you know just straight up doubles but i want to see you know paul Macbeth and ab versus uh, Goose and Adam Hannis, and I want to see Ricky playing with his close buddy, like Corey Ellis. I want to see them partnered up. Like, I want to see the well, best players in the world play doubles for a fat chunk of change, like three grand to first place. Like, I want to see yeah, legitimate fat. doubles, and I would love to see one round um, alternate shot doubles, one round best shot doubles, and one round worst shot doubles. Like, I think that would be sick. Stop it, Ben. <laughs> but um i think this is a good place to end the show because ben's yeah. going off the rails ben's getting bored i i do yeah. Ben's getting so bored right now so i do agree with the super doubles uh thought yeah. i think it'd be cool to see that and pick your own partners i mean the all-stars did that two years ago we have mixed doubles for world championships but it would be cool yeah. to have a little bit more of those i and we saw match play honestly i'm not a ginormous fan of match play I, ben really i i can't deal with <laughs> ben this. turn it back uh I'm but I'm not the biggest fan of match play. It is nice to have a shakeup. Uh, it looks like we're not seeing it this year, just based on the schedule. But I do agree, doubles would be really fun. But I didn't realize yeah. that we're not seeing match play this year. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure exactly. It's not on the schedule right now. Oh. So um, maybe yeah, it'll I, be an end of the year thing. Who knows? Yeah, maybe I, I, the schedule is busy. It's tough, and they it's put little, it in. A, yeah. Okay, so last year they put it in the kind of the you know you have the Mountain West that really breaks up the West Coast to before we get back to the Midwest. This year they actually put a, a stroke play normal event with Zoo Town. I thought that was great. I I hope Zoo Town stays in the schedule because it breaks it up between the West Coast and Midwest. Um, I'd like to see one going out too, but you know we'll see how it works. It's tough yeah. to put it in. So it was cool that they had a Colorado in last year. And unfortunate news about Bailey. Uh, also tough to have a whole 18 hole stroke play out there. Uh, Zoo town yeah. seems like it's a little bit better set up. Uh-huh. It, it just be really cool to see something like that. Even if we get back to the, uh, the fort, uh, and do you know just a silver event there or get to a golf course in Colorado or Montana or something. I think there's a cool potential. So I, I wish that was around more, but I don't no know. I got into that sidetrack. No it, golf for, courses. <sighs> For an in between event to get from the West Coast to the Midwest, I'd rather uh, see stuff like the Zoo Town par fifty nine. I would like, rather see that. Too, yeah, yes. that's what but I want. Understand I understand the constraints with that. So, and look at everyone talking about how much they hated watching ECC this week, and it's just that is it's not the most enjoyable type of disc golf to watch. No. I, I don't know. Like well, I said earlier, I, I, it I, needs win to be more enjoyable. I will say, like like um, the one before that, like Portland Open. Um, was very entertaining to watch. Portland was very entertaining. As, as Portland had awesome course design and two different courses on it. I, I'm actually a big fan of two course tournaments. I like the mix yeah. up with it. I, I wish agree. I wish single course tournaments would do something different every single round. Change the pin positions. Put them in the easy positions day one. The hard positions day two and three. I, I would love that like USCGC does with hole five. Um do that at more courses. Change up a couple holes. Don't just change the whole. Like there were a couple uh, new design changes for Emporia Country Club this year. I think there was one or two brand new holes, and then there were some smaller changes here and there. But it still was the same. Like hole one, put the pin position in the middle, and then maybe put it more to the right. Put it shorter. Put it, you know, right before that uh, teeing area or golf green. Do do something like that. You know, change it up just yeah. a little bit more. 
and put new tee pads in it at Boria Country Club. It's so funny when everyone is commenting on how skinny those tee pads were. I had actually never noticed that until I went out to Emporia Country Club last year, and it was like they were the weirdest tee pads in the world. Yeah, it is odd. I I, yeah. I do agree with the changing of pins. I mean, I think we've talked about this before too. So not to dive into it too much, mm-hmm. uh, like keeping track of stats, it makes it tougher. Keeping track of like records and whatnot, it makes it tougher. Uh, and it, all these things that I love, it does make it tougher. Uh, but I am. Oh still my god, your job's it. tough. <laughs> no, I'm, it does I'm make with it you, tougher. Nick. I'm with you, Nick. It's, know, it's more work. It's more effort. It's yeah. not as good data. But I still think it's better for the game uh, to see changing pins. Um, I would love to see it. I I also do agree with the two courses four rounds event i know it's kind of a hot topic i feel like a year or two ago i wish i wish every elite event was four rounds and every major was five rounds that's my official stance i I, great take evan and great freaking take thank you some of them can be four rounds at one courses but like real rare case i'm talking maple hill or um why do we do five round majors though in disc golf why do we do five round majors i or, think, excuse me, not five round majors. We do a five round worlds, and then all the other majors are four rounds with well, so a cut. Here's, here's Why do we do five round worlds? Here's my thought with it, too. Is so if we're comparing straight to, to traditional golf, ball golf, regular golf, whatever you want to say, it's just called golf. Golf, more scoring separation per hole. Uh, you have you have one round, you'll get scoring separation. You don't see uh, a 10 way tie at first place or what was it this past week i think it was i think it was 10 players within one stroke of the leader i think it was i don't even know who it was leading after round one uh but then it was the next all right one stroke behind a golf you see a much bigger spread uh and so even if you have a three round tournament in golf it kind of could work and they do four rounds so now we have a sport with less stroke uh less score separation and we're doing three rounds for the majority of our events you're going to have a lot more uh I don't even say like wilder finishes, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. We saw Parker Wilk win this past weekend. Does he win a four round event? He might, he might not. We saw Aaron Gossage almost win uh worlds last year after it would have been four rounds, mm-hmm. uh, but then didn't get it done the fifth round. We've seen a lot of those instances happening. I mean, Evan Scott just won a two round zoo town open. He was up by four strokes, but there's no guarantee he wins after the third round. Um, there's more chances for the consistent player to come out on top. The more rounds there is. Yeah. Uh, and so, it's kind of this weird thing where in disc golf, because we have less, we, we have, we have less rounds and it's uh, less scoring separation, but at the same time, it does create really exciting finishes. You can have more, uh, I can say inconsistencies. I mean, I don't think you would ever see a player in the outside the top 70 in the official world, uh, golf rankings win a PGA tour event, maybe, that happens. I don't actually know. I don't follow golf that closely, um, but you don't see these crazy finishes. You don't see all these playoffs and disc golf does have that. So it is a good thing at the same time, mm-hmm. but I also do wish we had more, uh, more rounds. And I think two courses is great. I think two rounds at a single course is great. I thought, honestly, I thought Jones Supreme, uh, and Emporia country club were, you know, fairly good, uh, crossover. I, you know, yeah. obviously which was wooded and open, yeah. but I thought there were two good ones. You didn't get too bored of either. Cause it was only two rounds. When you do three at one, it, it, can get a little bit slow and i don't think it's a fault of as i don't think it's a fault of this course as much as people were saying yeah but um i want to give a quick little shout out to the username disc golf uh ten dollar super chat thank you very much we greatly greatly appreciate that but he had said why can't disc golf have its own traditions and unique style compared to he says ball golf i still like to call it golf because that's actually what it's called but i definitely think we should be unique in certain areas we don't have to take every single thing from golf and bring it over into disc golf i do think golf is very successful and there's a lot of things that we can take away from golf 
But yes, there are a lot of things that we should be unique about. I mean, we have three round Silver Series events. We have four round Elite Plus events. We have four round majors. And we used to actually have 10 round majors, I think it was. Um, I would actually love to see Worlds go back to that major grind that it used to be. You know, some of the some of the days were two rounds. They were shotgun start. You played 36 holes in one day. I would actually love to see it go back to that, especially at a place like uh vermont this year i think you could play two rounds in one day if you shotgun started but you have the two different pools you got people playing brewster you got people playing fox i mean i definitely think that it's doable and i personally would love to see that i know a lot of pros would probably not like to see that but at the same time um yeah i definitely think there are a lot of areas that we should be unique in but like i said i think there are things that we can take away from golf but i kind of evan i do agree with you very much i think silver series events our great three-round events, you have something like the cancellation for the last round. It became a two-round event, but being a Silver Series event, it wasn't that bad. Make it now a four-round event for the Elite Series and the Elite Plus events. And then, yeah, five-round majors I actually think would be great. Open up the field like they do for Worlds. Make it five rounds with two different pools. Make it cut after round three if you really want to. Shrink the field by 72 players. Even do a cut after round three and then a cut after round four. And then you got the best of the best playing around five. So many different ways that we could go about doing it. I don't think there is a perfect way to do it, but I definitely think that there are a lot of scenarios that could be pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I I think this is a good time. I'm going to say we should uh, cut it off here. We're getting close to 10 p.m. Eastern, and I will say, yeah, I'm tired. If you want to check out more Disc Golf podcasts, you can watch the Nick and Matt show after show uh, at Smashbox TV's YouTube channel. Exactly. So, anyways. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Ben, you got the music? Hit me up with that low-key piano. Oh, no, not that one. one. Not it. That's, that is, I don't know. Nope, they're labeled differently. Not we it. need Matt Graham. We need Matt, Matt Graham. Yeah. We... There we go. Everybody, thank you for tuning in to episode 146. We want to thank Cosmic DG and DG Max Wax for being an incredible support of the show. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, we very much appreciate it. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe on the video. Please go ahead and hit that thumbs up button. That helps us out with the algorithms and lets more people see it. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms. Like Evan had just said, check out Smashbox TV. They are about to go live. They are the Nick and Matt show after show. Very rarely when we have to do a Tuesday night show, which isn't very often. We will be live again next Monday, though. I will be in studio. 99% sure of that right now. Tell someone you love them this week. Catch you in the next one. Um, All right, Ben, you're awesome. Nick, you're awesome. Evan, you're awesome. This is Nick and my show. Peace. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube.